Michael J. Nelson here. This is 372 pages we'll never get back. Connor, how are you? I'm good. I've got all three of my socks, uh, like our famous uh, Sue Brave Warrior three socks. This was, the, uh, I think, the most stirring mention of three socks. Uh, uh, I, that was another spit take for me. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Do we know three socks? And I had to, I had to scramble to, I believe it's Heather's Excel sheet to uh, Yes, exactly. Yes, to well, I think. No, we had not heard of three socks. <laughs> I think he had the two socks and was considering getting the other one, and the name just sort of yes. stuck. I think that's how it was the, the Arthur Two Sheds uh, model for that nickname. Exactly. Oh, wow. Well, this is uh, the podcast where we read through books we're probably not going to enjoy. Um, uh, we've been through, uh, gosh, seven books already. <sighs> this is uh, Truckin' Through Time by Charles E. Harris. Um, Connor and I, by the way, we work together over at Rift Tracks, and then uh, as if that wasn't enough, we read terrible things together, and that's what this podcast is about. Yep. Um, you want to bring us up to speed uh, where we are in trucking for yeah, everyone? Yeah, up to speed while our truckers were traveling a precise 74 miles an hour when they, through a mysterious thundersnow uh, storm, were transported back to what they believe to be the late 17th or early 18th century, but as we have discerned, they mean the late 1700s or early 1800s. <laughs> Um, there is not, uh, they're not, you know, in, in, in Plymouth for Thanksgiving times or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, so they have, uh, so far rescued a, uh, young boy, uh, from being whipped by an evil guy with an eye patch, and they have now uh, brought him back to his village. Uh, however, the evil guy with an eye patch has instigated a massacre between the Indians and the U.S. Army, uh, and they have... Uh, the army now wants to wipe out the Indians. The Indians uh, are saving our heroes because they have saved his boy. So we've got some trouble a brewing um, as we as we enter this uh, this next section of chapters that we're reading. And as it turns out, we have some sexy, sexy trouble a brewing as well. <laughs> um, I thought we were done with all that after the last. How book, did but... we not improve our lot from the Mister? <laughs> I, I was just my mind boggled. I couldn't believe he was going to this place. But uh, we're get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, we are. Uh, and by so... the way, we have all our departments this uh, this week as well, right? You're going to challenge me to fanfic or real. We're yes. going to have uh, listener mail. Yes. Um, and we have our dumb sentences of the week, and of and course. we have our most beloved occasional department, which is uh, guess whether the Amazon reviewer who liked or disliked this book liked or disliked other things. Oh, I love this one. I forgot about it. I'm you, glad you brought it back in. It's got the catchiest name of all our departments, and it's uh, <laughs> it's the most sporadic. So, yep, uh, it's a little different this time because... No one has reviewed this book except for the the one guy that we we discussed on I think on an earlier episode. So since since we've started talking about this book, another guy went on and reviewed it five stars. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna read his review because I think that was based entirely on uh, on this podcast. But we are gonna uh, discuss the the one guy who had rated it five stars back in like two thousand and three when it was released. The one who liked its earnestness. I yes, think, yes, a non-cynical, gave... <laughs> and I believe his review itself was non-cynical. Little, yes, yes, he a said teary and a little, uh, <laughs> a little He's, moist. He said five stars by this book. Um, it's not that it's a well-written book; it's anything but. However, the book explodes with the audacity that only a new author can bring to his subject. Hmm. Yeah, 
So hmm. I'm going to go through other things that that guy has reviewed because he's he's had a got a lengthy review history, a couple dozen items, and uh, you're going to guess whether or not uh, how many stars he gave to each of these items. This guy who okay. gave five stars to trucking through time. Gotcha. Number number one, and the ass saw the angel. What in the? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that is a book written by uh, rock musician Nick Cave. It is his only novel. Oh uh, boy. Uh, Four stars. Okay, five stars for "Ass Saw the Angel." He calls it a cultural touchstone. Okay, not sure mm-hmm. if that if that. I thought there'd out. be a little bit of cynicism in that book, and therefore a star off. <laughs> uh, so number two, "The Pleasure of My Company," company, a novel by Steve Martin. That that Steve Martin. Uh, well, I'm going to ride the pattern. Five stars. That was only three stars. He oh, says, "Come on." Man. He says, "Take it or leave it." <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, number number three, Big Trouble, uh, which you may not have heard of, but it is uh, was Dave Barry's first novel. Dave Barry, one of my favorites. Hmm. He is. Uh, he's a little. There's a little bit of snark there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say three stars. One star. The worst book I have ever read. Wow. Yeah. These are uh, darts at a dartboard at this point in time, blindfolded. So Steve. So it's going down as you get from comedians and kind of uh, humor. It's going down and down. Yeah. I didn't. Do, I didn't dive in too much to that uh, review, but yeah, that, you don't need to go too much farther than the worst book I have ever read. Uh, number number four, The Iliad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I'm gonna have to say five stars. He did rate it five stars and said it was outstanding. Good. Okay. okay. Uh, number number five, the watch repairer's manual. That is not a uh, is not an ironic title. It appears to be exactly that. Um. Hmm. It's going to be like that woman. I believe it was Barb T. Who she liked all of her knitting stuff. I'm going to say he is a watchmaker. Therefore, five stars. Yeah, five stars. It is a perfect book for the beginning watchmaker. Okay. <laughs> so uh, he must have just had an issue and then uh, and went to that to uh, and it solved the problem for him. Uh, the the second to last one, Shonda, the making and breaking of a self loathing Jew. <laughs> What? <laughs> Did no further is, research on that title, but had to put it in. Uh, I am assuming this is a uh, uh, a comedy, a body comedy about a ski patrol uh, that uh, <laughs> is trying to save the lodge. <laughs> yes, I, uh, an, an evil, an evil uh, Jewish guy came was going to buy the mountain, but they've. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Five stars. Five stars. He says two goyish thumbs up. Okay, from he's he's the guy. Yeah, I get. Uh, what does that okay. mean? Uh, a non-Jew. Okay, yes, and then finally we have "Pray" by Michael Crichton. Um, "Pray." I'm going to say this is not his best work, so I'm going to say three stars. One star. His tagline was "Please make it stop." Wow, uh, that might be one of those books that was written by Michael Crichton, like after he was uh, after he had died, and they found an outline in a desk drawer or something. Oh, uh, he's is he doing? Uh, so this is a, a not one of the Clive Costler things where he handed the uh, the name <laughs> I don't think over. So. To... I don't think so. They they released like a third Jurassic Park a couple years ago too. That was uh, something that was along those lines. So okay. yep. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, those are the uh, hard to calibrate your taste based on his. Uh, I would say. For the most okay, part, so he five, liked... But five stars for the Iliad, or was it the Odyssey? Iliad. Iliad, five Iliad. stars. Trucking through time, five stars. Five stars. Yes. Gotcha. I am now calibrated <laughs> to his taste. <laughs> um, well, yeah. that's uh, Having done that, we can, we can plunge right into 
Harris's work, which, uh, as we had uh, stated, the the they're returning the boy to the village. The trackers track down our two heroes, uh, Chad Hand and Dale Rhea, and they are <laughs> they're still, bringing. I'm sorry, still yes, going to giggle at Dale Rhea. It, uh, so yeah, they're bringing him back to the village. We've got uh, Patch, uh, Bad Eye Wilson, uh, who is uh, you know skulking around the outskirts of this, and then we've got any number of military people. Uh, who are just like our heroes are, are difficult to to keep apart uh, because they're exactly identical. These military guys start stacking up into a very very indiscernible mess. This was this was rough going. First of all, <laughs> this was a long read. Yes, if you're sticking with us, bless you. Uh, <laughs> I found it tough. I split it up over more nights than I've ever split any reading up. And uh, I was lost many times. Yes, absolutely. The military guys stacking up was uh, infuriating at first, but I guess you just got to ride the comedy of it after a while. Sure, and they start to they start to uh, differentiate themselves in, in some very cliched ways. But uh, the, let's start off this uh, this this chapter. It begins with uh, Blue Duck, uh, who is who was revealed at some point in time to be the the chief's brother. Um, is doing some reconnaissance, and he he found two spent cartridges and Starn's body, and all the dead soldiers below with no scalps. So so Blue Duck is investigating the site of the massacre, and he and somehow amongst the uh, the the dozens of dead bodies is is manages to detect the two cartridges amongst all that carnage. So we've we've ragged on Blue Duck because he has a dumb name, but uh, he has a keen eye. He sees all immediately. I, I loved how he did that. That was astonishing. And he uh, knew that it was a, a ruse. Yeah. So yeah, he's got a. You know, I, I suppose that's just the uh, the the tracker cliche from the uh, from the old Indian movies. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's doing the thing where he sort of like runs his fingers in some goo and then uh, does a does a taste of it and is able to tell which direction they came from or something like that. Hmm. Um. Now we get. Uh, but before that, we do get. Uh, ruined, ruined eye Wilson, bad eye, bad eye patch. Eye Wilson. Yeah, yeah, bad eye patch. Wilson also has his real name, but we, he's got he's, three. He, he's talking to himself, and this was the first thing I noted. He says, "Ruined eye Wilson thinks this is a, uh, a Charles E. Harris feature is that the omniscient. He doesn't know how to run an omniscient, uh, you know, narrator a point of view. Mm-hmm. So he has everyone think to themselves <laughs> in quotes." <laughs> Instead of just saying, you know, this, he's instead of just seeing it peeking over the shoulder, whatever, yes. you know, everybody understands omniscient. Uh, so he thinks to himself in quotes, all I have to do now is stroll down to Denver, sell these horses and buy up supplies and head to a nice stream and catch me some beaver. <laughs> and the sum is spelled S-U-M. Yes, of course it is. So, and they're homonyms, of course. So when he thinks to himself, he uses yeah. the spelling of his own vernacular. <laughs> Just like how when it was translated to uh, to Jim Eagle and the other Indians, they were using uh, their, their, their misspeak was also being translated into uh, crow tongue, I think it was. Right. And he also says, like, getting their heads getting bashed in. So he does that to himself as yes. he thinks. Those like, are his- Make sure you spell it with a U. For some reason, even though they're complete homonyms. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of that, we go. It'll be interesting to see how people address this character because we meet Sergeant O'Hara, uh, the first of the many military characters introduced in this chapter. But uh, Sergeant O'Hara has, for the O in his name, there is a there is a zero. Yes. Did you pick up? <laughs> Sergeant Zero Hara. I was childish enough to spell it out that way every every oh, nice. time yes. after that. that it yes. was mentioned. So that is a uh, that is either a a typesetting or a or a Harris error. But that was a it was you 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 did you did see that it was a zero because 
on the same page he is later replaced with the capital case O in the O'Hara. But uh, we meet Sergeant O'Hara, and he is thinking uh, that uh, he's going to have to uh, get the men in on this uh, operation because of all the soldiers that have been killed by Patch's ruse. And he says, it had been a while since they had seen action, but they weren't anxious to see it any too soon. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's the life of a people, I guess, out on the frontier. Um, they're just sort of, uh, they're, they're taking it easy. Um, not not anxious for any action, but uh, also haven't seen any uh, anytime soon. So um, this this might be a unwelcome break in their routine for them when they are are called to uh, to wade in against this this massacre that has just happened. Did you notice something a little uh, rod from Burdemicky about our uh, oh, about our not. Sergeant Zero Hera? <laughs> he Please. says, "Mount up, men! We've got to get the hell out of here. I've seen enough Indians to darken the sun." Oh yes, and you'll recall he saw about 100 of them because he saw 50 or more and had to be more than 50 <laughs> at two different times. So uh, th- those are the two different groups, I think. Nice, yeah, nice. So it's, if he says more than 50 and then could be as many, why don't you just give us the figure? Yes. Why does it have to be centered around 50? It could yeah, be it's a, 60. Because it's a nice round number. And that's just, we've and seen that later, time and time just, again with these type of auteurs. Yes. Later, it's just uh, uh, it's just called like seventy five Indians. Later, so it's <laughs> apparently that is O'Hara's trait only. So right. When he conveys it to someone else, they know to go. Uh, uh, was it more than fifty? Okay, it was seventy five. Right. O'Hara. O'Hara. We know now. <laughs> uh, I did like that he uh, they the troop he's he's commanding um, saw the Indians who were lighting these things. He says when they spotted the smoke signals, they all sensed this mission could turn nasty. And then they, he climbs up, he leads some troops up there, and then says, he finally reached the top and saw the Indians on the opposite hill. He could tell they were sending signals and tried to count heads to find how many they were. So they weren't the type of smoke signals that were devoid of signals. He saw them sending smoke signals, and then when he, he got closer, he could tell they were sending signals with those smoke signals. <laughs> it's an important distinction. So yeah, I guess, I guess Zero Hera has a keen eye for uh, these type of, uh, these type of uh, distinctions and, and estimations. Right. Um, we get the quick back and forth here now, which oh, is a man. little, did you find it? I, I, yeah. I think he, mu- he must have read, what do you think he read? Like, um, It's like Game of Thrones. It's like uh, David Simon. It just has that sort of uh, ensemble cast thing going for it, but pulled off in a very clumsy and frustrating way. He quickens the pace so in an unnecessary way, though. I think he's... Who's the guy, the the famous, the military author who has a million books, you know? Uh, did, Tom did Clancy. The, Tom Clancy. I think he'll do a thing where he'll just cut to, you know, 10,000 miles away under yeah. a bunker. You know, he'll have a quick paragraph. But that's, it's just a little spice, you yeah. know? This is, I think he thought that that was the key to making it go quickly, was to just cut back and forth very quickly <laughs> without any context. Like, someone just starts speaking, and then you go, oh, oh, we're over here now. Okay. Yeah, and I found that very disorienting. And at some point in time, in this section, we get chapters eight and nine, which are you know each about three pages long and have no business being their own chapter. They're just assigned that status, even though they break up the flow of time and back and forth uh, the exact same way that all his other paragraph breaks and all that stuff do. Right. Okay, so help me out here, because I'm honestly lost. So this is an honest question. I'm not ribbing him at this point. So the chief and his warriors reach the village, right? Chad Dale and Jim Eagle, they re- come to the village later, right? Weren't they all together at one point? 
and then uh, they split up to go back to the village? Oh, man. <laughs> because they arrive after them, but they were all together. And so if they were heading to the same place, why did, what, what happened? Well, they encountered Collins, so the chief might have gone back before them, and then they were left to, to talk to Collins. Collins was with those trackers. Okay. I'm not, I'm well, not sure. It, this well, this is... gets to this. If anyone can crack what this <laughs> sentence means. They talked for several minutes, and Jim Eagle turned and told Chad and Dale they had to wait because they were very close. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that, I, I, I just stood puzzling at that, and then I, I just I finally broke and just said, maybe a listener can solve that for me. I don't know what that means. Sure, sure. That could be him saying, I'm going to you know, go in and introduce everybody for you. But then again, the medicine man, uh, Wild Eyes, has already told them that these guys are good, so I'm not sure what more, uh, more uh, introduction they need than that. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Uh, so we also get Patch, who is trying to do a. Uh, he's, he comes up with a scheme. He's uh, he's trying to figure out how he can make his escape because he sort of knows he's been made at this point in time. He spots, I think, the uh, either the army or the Indians. But he says uh, it's close to dark and they can't do no track until daylight. That gives me time for a plan. I ain't lived in these hills for all these years for no reason at all. And he says so. He says that as if implying that. He was living here that if he ever needed to flee, he would know how. Like, that was his reason for picking that as a place to live there. <laughs> I ain't lived in these hills for no, all these years for no reason at all. Um, and then he, he, uh, he says his plan sort of to the, to the reader. Uh, and I, I was confused by it as well. But what his plan seems to be is that he's going to uh, release all his stolen horses. They'll go in different ways. He'll load up his other horse with a bunch of gear so that the tracks look like it's carrying a man, then he's going to ride down the river and uh, get out the river later on so that he won't leave any tracks. And he'll say, he says, this will keep him busy trying to figure out what I done while I ride all night. And I was like, it certainly will, because it made very little sense to me the first three times I read it. So I think them looking at it in real time are going to be just as confused as the readers are. And to add to the confusion, he gives us this puzzling bit of information. It won't be the first time I had to outsmart him, and it won't be the last. <laughs> so, in other words, he knows he's not going to succeed. Yes. <laughs> he's, re- he's read ahead in the book, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> M, just being them in general, like, I'll show them all. That's sort of the royal them. Yes. and and then But then he declares that he has outsmarted them again. <laughs> Um, well, so while he's outsmarting everybody, uh, the, they return to the, to the Indian village, and uh, they're, they're greeted with, with quite a scene. He says, the other braves began to laugh and yell in their own tongue. It was very obvious they were happy to see the boy. Chad and Dale were happy to see the boy smile with such happiness and joy. <laughs> so I'm just, this is maybe me doing some, some subtext uh, or some, uh, some projecting, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking up that they're happy. Um, and is then that we, what you got from that? That is, yeah. that is I yeah. sort of did a close reading. Uh, and then we get a, some Kleinian nonsense a, a few sentences later. They heard dogs barking and the voices of the women and children. Before they reached the bottom of the hill, the drums began to beat and people began to dab, dance. This seemed to have the appearance of a very happy occasion. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> that was... That was a dumb sentence for me. Uh-huh. But, uh, hopefully I have more. I'm sure yes. other people send that one. Yeah. We're just going to cage it in, in, in a couple different things, despite the fact that we have previously used the word happy in uh, three times in a sentence and a half. That's beautiful. 
Very Kleinian. Uh, uh, so they, they request a, uh, a quiet place for them to change the boys' bandages, uh, which to me seemed odd. It uh, wasn't aware that the uh, quietness of a hospital is what kept it sanitary. But uh, then we go on to uh, an, an interaction with uh, Captain Tim and the general. Oh, yeah. Wait, before you get to that, just okay. here's, here's how it plays out with the bandages. He says, we will tell her he needs to be in a quiet place for us to change the bandages. They'll need medicine. She wants the medicine man to look at him first. And then that is fine, Dale said. But we need to change the bandages as soon as possible. <laughs> Dale, that's, what, that's what's at issue, idiot. That's what we're talking about. That's what you just asked them to go see if we could have time to change the bandages. Dale's he's just, just doing... He's in a loop. He's just repeating himself. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's doing yes and with uh, Chad so much. He's doing it with himself. Right. <laughs> I'm agreeing with what I just told you. Um, yeah, but yeah, so then uh, as they as they are getting that space they requested, they're going to go... Uh, we're going to interact with, with Captain Tim and the General. And the General is a... Uh, is a guy who we, we, we come to realize is sort of he's he's an angry chief sort of archetype. Yes, uh, he's uh, he's he's very disappointed. He doesn't want to hear any facts. He just wants to uh, to do his own thing, um, and that thing is is declaring war on the Indians for them. He believes having wiped out his uh, his troops. But uh, Captain Tim says, General, I have some bad news. <laughs> Patch Wilson has attacked and beaten the son of the Sioux chief, Dark Horse. He also molested the chief's wife. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm not sure how he will take this, but I'm sure he won't think too lightly of the situation, which is an all-timer, I think. Yeah, the, the very definition of ambiguity, I'm sure, but I'm not sure. Not sure how he'll take this, but I'm sure he won't think too lightly. Yes, and you might get that sort of ambiguity if you were like... Uh, um, it's going to be humid tomorrow. I'm not sure how he'll take this. We were supposed to go to the beach, but uh, but <laughs> but he's talking about attacked and beaten the son of the chief, and he also molested his wife. Right. And I'm right. sure he won't think too lightly of the situation to phrase it in a way no human ever has. Well, I puzzled over this, obviously, as I'm sure all of people who read it, <laughs> and uh, and I dove to the to the, to the web to. Uh, to look it up to see if there dark were... Web. Uh, I, no, you, you might think that I would go uh, need to go to the, the dark web, but I just went, you know, I just went to the web. Oh, okay. Uh, so. like, like every other human being, I went to DuckDuckGo and, yes, and of course, search, like, searched it out. Uh, that's my favorite member of the tribe, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and my first, uh, my first hit was a uh, very popular BBC podcast. A called podcast? People. Yeah, I went to an, an, another podcast. Uh, it's called People in History Who Seem Unsure Regarding the Emotional State of Those With Whom They Interact. And I thought, <laughs> that is uh, spot yeah, on, spot it's on. spot on, but yeah, it's niche, but good for us. Yeah, so uh, anyway, since it is so right on, let's just... I haven't actually listened to the clip. I assume since it's on oh. the nose, it's well, yeah, going to be uh, good for us. Podcast, so uh, yeah. let's, uh, let's give it a listen. Sounds good. Welcome to... People in history who seem unsure regarding the emotional state of those with whom they interact. I'm your host, Jasper Flynn Dowling, and joining me today from across the pond is historian Lana Kostoka. Lana, how are you? Good, Jasper. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. So I understand you bring with you today some actual examples of people in history who seem unsure regarding the emotional states of those with whom they interact. 
I did, Jasper. I uh, took some digging on the dark web, but I unearthed these recreations. Let's take a listen. Yeah, uh, super. Your Holiness. What is it, my son? The Black Death from the East is upon us. A third of Europe has died horribly. People are fleeing the cities and praying for death. The rivers run black with the fetid blood of the dying. Abandoned children stand among the corpses crying for their mothers. Oh, may God have mercy upon their... I mean, I'm not sure how people are going to take this, but I'm sure they won't think too lightly of the situation. What's of that? I'm sorry, Your Holiness. I, I guess I'm just bad at this kind of thing. America, 1892. Lizzie Borden, what is all that racket? Hmm... With my axe, I just gave my father approximately 40 wax. I'm not sure how my mama's going to take this news. I'd better get ahead of the situation. Russia, 1933. A premier Stalin, your terror genocide is working. Nine million Ukrainians have starved, and now I'm not sure... All right, uh, Loner, I, I think we see the pattern. Let's end it here. Okay, but you're never going to find out how that guy thought other people were going to feel about the Ukrainian famine. Well, I'm sure they won't think too lightly of the... Oh, hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is, uh, I mean, that seems... It's seems curiously like it, on the nose a little right. bit. Right, yeah. I mean, for for them to have a whole podcast worth of material, it seems like there's, you know, obviously there's a lot of those throughout history, but those in particular were, um, yeah, they, they they worked out well for our purposes. And the, the voice, it sounded oddly familiar, but uh, let it go, let it pass. Yeah. I'm uh, sure it's it, nothing. Many people have similar voices. They do. Many people, uh, you know, go go behind their podcasting partners back and do other podcasts. But like, moving on, we can. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's move on. Let's not go on. That. Uh. Um, well, yeah. So the I, th- I the one thing I noted about the the Captain Tim and uh, General I I don't know the General's name uh, is that uh, this scene sort of had the only normal dialogue in the book so far. Like it it didn't have the the patented Harris. Uh, page page of dialogue as someone sits there with a the blank expression on their face. Like, yeah, it did go back and forth in the yeah. way that you know normally. It would have helped to have the uh, a carriage return between their voices <laughs> because they are not attributed right. at all. I think here. Yeah, no, but it has like you know you will have that report. Your report, sir, is that all? Unless you have something more to add, that just about covers it, sir. Make sure those scouts get on the trail of Wilson. I want him to hang as soon as possible. They'll be hot on the trail by morning, sir. There's no. I want him to hang as soon as possible. Also, I feel like when we hang him, we should probably make sure that we, I mean, there was, there was no paragraph in between those things. It was just, it was, it was actual human speak, which, uh, you know, tip your hat. It was. It was about as, uh, you know, clipping along as it can possibly get in this book. <laughs> Um, so, uh, slams us right back into the, uh, to the Sioux village where we meet the first, uh, of our, of our ladies, um, who, uh, appear to be, uh, on their way to becoming major characters. We meet Dancing Leaf. Uh, the lady stood, said a few words, and waited for the chief to respond, and when she did, she said to Chad and Dale in a sheepish and bashful manner, I am Dancing Leaf, daughter of the chief. Um, so we get the uh, we we get dancing leaf. She turns out to be an adopted daughter of the chief. We learn later. Um, that's not clarified until later, and it's very confusing once it does. But uh, we do meet these two these two uh, Native American women who are constantly sheepish. 
bashful and uh, sneaky is a word that hmm. he uses quite a bit. <laughs> bashful and kind of uh, blushing. Yes, uh, yeah. demure. Does it, re- does it remind you of anyone at all? <laughs> yes, they're, I'm sure they're grabbing Chad and Dale by the biceps as we speak. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's not the first, uh, the first similarity to the mister we're going to encounter. Not at all. Uh, before we get to that, there, there, here's another. It's sort of a Kleinian mixed with a very confusing thing. The entire village seemed to gather around Slim Fox to greet him. <laughs> Moving through them was very slow as each tried to get close enough to touch the boy. Everyone was delighted to see him. They knew the bandages needed to be changed, but were content to wait for a move from the chief. <laughs> so the crowd knew <laughs> about <Yes>. the bandages? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess they seemed to anyway. I don't know. Maybe the whole thing is just that that seemed that seems way. But like who knows? It, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they could have been you know uh, leaking black pus and like you know a rancid smell emanating from them. So they're like, wow, they really need to change those. That is a bad infection. But well, you just gotta welcome Slim Fox back. Yes, I think it's it's a thing. It's the start of a thing that becomes epidemic in uh, in sentences and paragraphs. There's a lot of they and him mixed in together and he's often referring to different parties or party okay <laughs> and yes. so they him them are all interchanged and they always mean someone else so <laughs> it's a middle it's school a, english teacher to uh, track it yeah worst nightmare uh well we get we had another in middle school english teacher's worst nightmare she says uh dancing leaf says for the return of slim fox i know we don't like to point harp on these but she says uh, for the feast they will have elk and fowl Fowl, yes, fell spelled as in a foul ball. <laughs> um, but then, uh, then they they leave to go. Uh, I think tend to him. Uh, Dale leaves with Dancing Leaf as as she and Dale left the lodge. Chad felt his heart would explode, not having his friend with him all of a sudden. <laughs> so, you know, I guess that's probably just a touching thing. They've been through this thing together uh, that uh, no one else ever experienced. But, uh, you know, settle down. <laughs> yes. He's going off to, to, to tend to a, to a wounded boy. You, you know he's going to be back. Um, but this, uh, their, their bromance is going to experience some divisions here. But, uh, but Dale's not going to be the one who, uh, who really gives into it uh, to get ahead of it. Well, after his heart explodes is one of my favorite scenes and i i just said god i wish there were a gif of this the word <laughs> awkward flashing over chad's face <laughs> not knowing exactly what to do chad yes. stood and eased over to slim fox's side and pulled the cover from his chest he then raised the shirt dale had put on him and began to loosen the bandage it was then that the medicine man stood and walked beside chad he looked at the cuts that were now exposed and said something to the chief neither said anything but came to look at the wounds the shaman said something, and they returned to the same position they were previously. <laughs> it's just a very awkward moment. Oh yeah, killing time, pretending to look at a wound. <laughs> <laughs> I, he comes over as though there's going to be something happening. Nothing does. Oh, I sorry. Just, did you say no? I didn't. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you. No. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Resuming the exact same position that they were in before. Yeah. I just love the idea of not being, you know, we've all been in awkward situations, you know, I, but like, I like the idea of someone, uh, you know, meeting their, like, uh, their, their father-in-law to be for the first time, having, having no idea what to do, uh, no idea what to say. And so your instinct is to, uh, undress and bandage a preteen boy. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at a job interview or something when they ask you your uh, your strengths and so you, you you freeze up and that's your that's your go-to instinct <laughs> yeah i was gonna say uh and then i quickly pulled back from this idea but i'll 
voice at any. It was like, you know, Woody Allen doing an awkward bit. And then I realized that's the exact <laughs> worst choice to make there. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that wasn't the only thing that was sort of awkward about this situation. I think he finally gets the, uh, the peroxide out of his pack. And he says, Dale took the peroxide and poured some on the boy's chest. And he laughed out loud as if it tickled him. The others joined in with the laughter. So they've poured this uh, stinging substance onto his open wombs, and, and, and Slim Fox laughs at the pain. He's, uh, he's, he's going to be, a, I'm sure, a brave warrior if that's his reaction. He'll be, uh, but it sound, makes him sound sort of psychotic. He then cut a fresh lemon and began to squeeze the juice and the pulp over his wounds. The boy rocked his head back in paroxysms of joy. Yes. And the other two, I guess, are joining in with the laughter from the positions they got up from, walked to, looked right. over, and then walked back to. They're sort of Waldorf and Statlering the whole scene. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah. What else? That's I've only got one more thing for this chapter. That's all I got for this chapter. Yeah, the, the, it ends with them sort of uh, saying, uh, uh, "Leaf, uh, dancing Leaf says uh, your answer is the answer Wild Eyes expected from you. After the pipe is passed, I will take you to the wild lodge of Wild Eyes, and he will tell you of his vision and why he thinks you were sent to us." Leaf told them, bringing hope into their hearts and minds. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just awkward, but it's also just, you know, it's a good thing that Chad's heart didn't explode when Dale walked out of the teepee because that was a, uh, it would be bad if he didn't have any place to put that hope. Only if it only had to store it in his mind, you know. Right. Well, that's the <laughs> that's the kind of chapter end that our reviewer who loves earnestness is just uh, wiping a tear away at that one. Yes. <laughs> Please end every chapter with someone having yeah, hope the, in their hearts and minds. Yeah, the the chapters do seem to be uh, sort of distributed at random and we do get some some very just why did you choose that moment to to end the chapter on including one that is my one of my all-time fav- favorite pages in all of literature coming up but Ooh, uh, that's, wow. that's yeah. this, oh yeah this is a tease for you <laughs> that is not in t- that is not in chapter seven so uh let's uh let's let's go to chapter seven i believe it starts off with more military action um the 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 sergeant left the office and captain troy paced the floor for a while thinking about how this could turn a peaceful country into a full-scale war with the sioux all because of one thoughtless individual who had no regard for human life except his own. I don't know. You know, I don't really know if I'd call Patch thoughtless. Uh, I mean, he he molested a woman, whipped a boy, and uh, initiated a massacre, then murdered his partner without uh, without really, you know, I, I, thoughtless. Just seems like uh, you know you didn't respond to my evite type of thing. Yeah, you uh, you know you took the the bank pen and you knew you had it and then you just you <laughs> right. kept walking you instead of just taking the three steps back and setting it back in its thing. <laughs> yes, That's pretty um, thoughtless. Yes, but uh, so he he's he's informing another guy about the uh, about what he thinks is going to happen and he says uh, regarding the general, this will be the very thing the general will need to start a war with the Sioux. It will be his excuse to attack Dark Horse and his people. He's wanted to attack them ever since the treaty was signed with the chief. And that just sort of made me question why you even sign a treaty in the first place if you just go into it being like, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking for any excuse to go to war. Oh, yeah. Um, sign my name right here. All right. Like, you know, <laughs> give me a reason. You <laughs> Smile for the uh, guy with the paintbrush there. There right. you go. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, the general is just portrayed as a, a sort of a bloodthirsty guy who's just uh, looking for any reason. And uh, every other person in his organization other than college seems to be uh, – not not along the same lines of thinking. The uh, Captain Troy and Captain Tim are all uh, are all uh, trying to talk reason into him, but we'll see if that actually works. 
Um, another question. Why do we need a Captain Troy when we had a Captain Tim? I don't know. We and have, we had a, is it Collins a Captain? Collins and, Collins and Rollins. Collins, yeah. Rollins is the general, right? Collins Roll, is... I think Rollins is... Joe, Rollins is the general. Collins is the tracker. <laughs> but why do we need two captains? I, uh, uh, we had Captain Tim, and he was the sympathetic one. Now we have Troy, who is also sympathetic, right? Yes. They're very much the same thing. Ah. Yep, it's frustrating. Very irritating. <laughs> um, then we go back to the Indian camp, I believe. Um, we, he, he sort of gives them a prophecy, which says that uh, um, the, the only price to be paid for these lives being spared will be a maiden. And that maiden will be a reward, and also the one rewarded. Um, and then uh, the they introduce them to the maiden, whose name is Lightfeather. Uh, it says, Chad and Dale finally noticed her because of her grace and beauty. She was young and carried herself with dignity and pride and was obviously one of the more interesting of any of the other ladies in the village. Um, so that's their, uh, they're pretty much going full cartoon wolf on this woman, but the inter- <laughs> interesting is the, the, the word that used to describe that, which I amused me. Yes. As her, uh, by the way, her face turned redder. So <laughs> yes. she's constantly blushing <laughs> she, <laughs> with her, her hand in front of her mouth, I think, mm-hmm. uh, t- uh, you know, a toe twisting in the dirt and looking <laughs> down, uh, Alicia style, um, uh, before we we go on, though, I want to ask you a question. What are you uh, What are you calling uh, Wild Eyes? What is his title? What is his position? Uh, was he the Medicine Man? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> he's either the Medicine Man or Holy Man or Shaman. <laughs> All are used, but in one place, two are used. Okay, especially by Wild Eyes, the Medicine Man or Holy Man. Earlier wow. he was earlier he was the shaman. So <laughs> he holds either all three positions if there is any differentiation of work assignments for all three, or they're all synonymous in every way. I don't know. <laughs> or as James Tice would call him, the shaman. Yes. <laughs> if there are more than one, that those are all his titles. Wow, I did not realize that. Those are probably all uh, you know regional or tribe specific, and certainly deeply offensive to uh, to refer as one to the other. Yes. Well, uh, the hor- the horniness uh, is, is is noted right away. Uh, Dale uh, gives him an actual down boy <laughs> to Chad as he's perving out on her. He says she's much too beautiful not to have a big bad brave outside, just waiting to put knots on someone's head for looking at her. Um, so that's fun. Uh, and then <laughs> she says uh, she says that that's actually not the case because the one I was promised to did not want me, and married my sister this past summer. Dumb Indian, Chad said, and they all laughed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's pretty amazing. She, she joins in the laughter, even though it's not, you know, uh, so sure exactly who he's referring to. Um, she, he could be referring to the person who just spoke, a.k.a. her. <laughs> yes. Oh, I just noticed, by the way, in my, in my notes, I said they were both just going cartoon wolf and now... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that when the ladies excused themselves and said they would be back shortly and for them to prepare their clothes for a bath if they wanted one. <laughs> and at that point, we get no reaction from the cartoon wolves. Right. They just go, uh, sounds good. Right. Yes. After having, they, they have had a, a maiden promise to them as a reward. And these two guys are just, yeah, they're, uh, they're not awugaing. They're not, uh, their heart's not beating out of their stomach. They, they're just a, a light down boy. And that's, uh, that's all we really get. We get a good uh, exchange after a, a full, gosh, this paragraph is long, uh, 
Chad, do you remember the medicine man saying something about the great one? Yes, I do, begins a 4,000-word essay. <laughs> and then at the end of it, Dale stated. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next paragraph, I agree, Dale. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was my going, God. <laughs> I was going to have you guess the reaction there. Because he, uh, he, he throws in some, uh, some big claims for, for Chad to agree with, which is, uh, um, you know, maybe Slim Fox is going to be a great leader. He says, we may just be here to change history as we know it, or maybe just become part of it. Um, the good news is we're only supposed to be here for a short time. And so he agrees, uh, Chad agrees with the statement, we may just be here to change history as we know it. So he, <laughs> he, he's on board with that uh, right away. Let's. Uh, well, let's I, I thought I'd finally have to talk you into something, Chad. Right, no, yeah. I, we all no. know we can't, uh, even killing a butterfly would affect everything. But you know, no, he's on board. Yeah, sure, let's change history. This will be awesome. <laughs> um and uh no one uh they when they say you're only supposed to be here for a short time none no one no one really uh thought about like this could be a a monkey's paw type of thing like oh yes you'll only be here for a short time they're like oh sounds good i guess that means we're going home shortly (laughs) (laughs) idiots yes (laughs) dumb indians um but uh then they they move on uh this was a an exchange i also liked quite a bit he says uh, we're ready dancing leaf i think for their baths he says the food was very good what was it anyhow chad asked <laughs> it was elk and potatoes light feather made for you early this morning while you slept i hope you liked it then then, then he replies it was very good <laughs> so he told her it was good she said i hope you liked it then he says yes it was very good I uh, I just have what in the hell is happening after that uh, particular <laughs> it exchange. It's like listening to two AI bots talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, at, and then she says uh, she, they're they're getting ready to go off to the bat. Uh, they 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 refer to them by their Indian names, which are Fast Cat and uh, boy, I don't remember the other one, Big Bear or something. Big Big Boy or Big Bear. Yeah. <laughs> she Light Feather touched his arm and said softly, Fast Cat, get another canoe. You and I are going to a place to bathe. Chad looked at her smiling face and grew in excitement he hadn't felt in some time. So that is, I think, fully 100% synonymous with a groin tightening, right? Yes, yes. Grew in it excitement? Is, yes. It is just a, 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 just a, a more awkward way of, of his groin tightening. <laughs> Without a word, he tossed his clothes in the canoe and assisted Light Feather. <laughs> they two were smiling, and he looked at uh, Dancing Leaf and Dale. They were smiling as if they knew something he didn't. All the things he had on his mind became oblivious as he focused on the beauty of this maiden with the sneaky and bashful grin. <laughs> so and all just, the things... Yeah, all the things of his mind became oblivious. But all, what else was he thinking of as he was growing in excitement? This was... I, I mean, I guess he put that out of his mind. <laughs> so everything became oblivious except for his excitement he grew about Light Feather, which is the only thing that was on his mind. Yes. Got it. I believe, though, I thought at that point we're headed to an elk scrambled egg and feta scene, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, with some some fowl on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Let me uh, me turn on uh, Smoke Signal Sonos. It's, uh, you can... but then, uh, yeah. So they they go off to their to their baths to the uh, eroticism that awaits there, and we we get we get some more uh, some some depictions of that. But it first cuts to the the trackers, uh, which was another one of my one of my favorite scenes. Uh, I think Jim Eagle is tracking uh, Wilson, and he says if Wilson was headed south, there were only three trails he could take. 
Mm-hmm. Got, got that? Three yep. trails. The Apache scouts knew all three. Okay, that's good. One was the hunting trail used by the Blackfoot, and he would not take it. <laughs> Another was the trail used by the Sioux on their moves north and south following the buffalo herds, and this trail he would avoid completely. <laughs> that left his only option. So that's, I'm glad they narrowed it down because there were three trails he could take, and then we, we immediately negate two of those as impossible, leaving him one option. So we've, uh, we've, talked our, we've talked ourselves through that in a matter of sentences. So I'm glad I it was, was spelled out. I was so wishing that the wording had been the same, you know, a la Seuss or a children's book. You know, the first hunting trail was used by the Blackfoot, and he would not take it. Another was the trail used by the Sioux and the source of the buffalo herds, and he would not take <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. The third trail was and just he would right. Take it. <laughs> it is, uh, I mean, you know, sure, that makes sense. Normally, a character w- would puzzle that out or explain it to the less experienced tracker who was along with him why he wouldn't go that way. But uh, the clumsiness I enjoyed quite a bit. Well, now here we come to a little more clarification on what has uh, darkened the sun numbers of Indians. <laughs> the sergeant found the entire patrol dead, sir. He said a large gathering of Indians were on the hill just above the bodies and estimated about 75 to 100 strong. There we go. Yeah. So we will, <laughs> we will fight in the shade numbers of, uh, I guess. of Indians there. <laughs> it is, uh, it, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting choice of words for that, uh, for, that, um, for that phrase. You know, 75 is not a ton, and... Darken the sun carries with it certain connotations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, is that that's uh, that's the captain and the general back and forth there? Yeah, sorry, it jumps back and forth so quickly. I'm, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm having so, trouble figuring so it out. We get the general there again, who's just you know he's the uh, he's the the sort of the bad guy in a movie, to, you know the 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 Michael Ironsides character who's determined you know not to listen to any information type of thing. Uh, <laughs> but sir all i am saying is that the chief is not angry with all whites because he has two in his village and he's treating them as out and out heroes we need to find out exactly what happened at the battle site and go from there i disagree captain <laughs> we don't need any more information I, I don't need to find out anything that happened let's just launch into battle and kill a bunch of people yeah he's uh he doesn't want the beaches closed no matter how many sharks yes. uh, <laughs> Very much so. Yes. <laughs> Information? No. I don't need anything to base my decision on. Like, you know, and then he sort of implies that this guy's a wuss for wanting to, uh, for wanting not to do this. Um, uh, he brings up another person who I thought rather unnecessary, Lieutenant Forbes. Oh, my I was God. Like, did, did I have to keep track of some guy named Lieutenant Forbes? <laughs> he was part of the patrol that was killed by the Indians. So Okay. Ah. Uh, he was, yeah, he was killed along with like a, a with a Yanni, the the Indian as well. So I think he was one of those guys like that who were were here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah, uh, he did say something though that I uh, his his anger was 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 pretty good, and so I I, I want this um, set at my funeral if you if you're if you happen to be there. All right, uh, I'll get my pencil. I'll take a note okay. here. I want Wilson tried in a U.S. court, not by Indian justice. He may be a sorry, worthless son of a bitch, but he is still an American. <laughs> So, I mean, just uh, my, you know, my estate might be might be concerned about that, but you've got a recording of it now. Oh, that's good. I uh, I have a friend who we have committed to whoever dies first and we have to uh give a eulogy as we bring a a leaf of papers up there and we just go, you know, Mike Nelson eh and then leave the uh, <laughs> and we have vowed to one another that we wow. will <laughs> they play the uh, the hymn as you're walking up and then <laughs> yeah. reprise it just where they left off on the way back uh, <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we've got a lot of uh, funeral requests going here. Um, this is uh, Patch. Uh, goes back to Patch. Uh, Whiplash is back to him. Uh, another another great uh, passage right here. Patch woke up and realized he had slept the biggest part of the day. He knew of an old cabin he and Starnes had wintered in a couple years back and figured to stop there for a day's rest and do some hunting. He didn't figure anyone would be there because no one knew where it was. <laughs> so we've either got uh, Zen Master here or Yogi Berra writing this sentence. <laughs> I, I guess that checks out, you know, that logic checks out. Um, he stopped and a, an old flinty Vermonter told him, can't get there from here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, that proves not true. I guess when he gets there, there's a uh, we we learned that later. Oh yes, indeed, people do know where it is. <laughs> um, we get uh, what do we go? We go back to the uh, the uh, village. Um, we see some painted teepees. Um, where they are sort of admiring these uh, these uh, Indian paintings of battle scenes and stuff. All were painted with great detail and precision, and were very pretty. But all that had escaped Chad's thoughts having the most beautiful creature he had ever seen in a canoe with him. <laughs> so, so <Man>. he's... <laughs> I, I went fishing and uh, reeled in a bullhead once, and yes. uh, that was the most beautiful creature I'd ever had in a canoe. Yes. Uh, I thought maybe he had done that, like that, that old logic program about the duck and the fox and the sack of grain. <laughs> yes. uh, he, had, he had a really sexy duck in the canoe with him during while he was organizing all of that, but... Uh, uh, Painted uh, fern or whatever his name is has has eclipsed the duck in his mind, but you well, know I have to ask about that though that moment where he says uh, so there were scenes of animals so he's he's looking at it but he's literally not taking it in so who's seeing it at all because <laughs> you know it's described and there's all this beautiful detail and it was pretty so I guess right. that's the omniscient narrator going hey Chad take a look at this beautiful oh never mind you're all wrapped up in that beautiful creature yeah I guess. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, 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 the 80s buddy when his friend is falling in love being like, hey, man, like, what do we want to get for lunch? Where do you think we should uh, drive to after this? Okay, right. if, you, uh, if you do that, leave all your money to me in your will. <laughs> hey, Earth to Ferris, man! Like, you know, that type of thing. Like, <laughs> Yes. Uh, and he was, uh, after that line about uh, the most beautiful creature in a canoe, and heading to a place to bathe alone with her sent his head into a world of possibilities and desires. <laughs> there is a lot going on with Chad right now. Yeah, yeah really. It didn't take much. Um, but, you know, we sort of learned that, like, uh, this, you know, it's, it, it could be implied that uh, that uh, Tailfeather is not the only maiden in this book. Uh, you know, Chad, we, we get the sense he was this big, burly trucker, but uh, he might be uh, just as innocent as she is. Yeah, but uh, is uh, is Dale enticed by? Uh... <laughs> we we get a a great sentence to to that to that effect. Chad couldn't get past the idea of being with Lightfeather with her beauty and graceful style, while Dale just wanted a bath. <laughs> and so, lest you think though that that Dale is also not horny AF just like Chad is, we get this uh, au contraire uh, immediately just around the corner. His interest lay only with his wife, Miss Marie, back in Tennessee. It was only a four-hour drive home from Atlanta, but he made the trip with more eagerness and anticipation than most newlyweds. So we've got Dale, uh, Dale's uh, excitement growing as he makes that uh, Atlanta to Tennessee drive every year, every weekend too. 
But we're we're flashing back to his. I mean, is he a newlywed now, or are we flashing back to after he got married and tr- the, the trucking that he was doing back then? I, <laughs> I didn't understand that. Well, I don't think it's ever been mentioned that Miss Marie was his wife before. No, I it's think it never was been just mentioned. I, yes, <laughs> I, I had thought she, there was all this talk about her uh, hammering on them, and you know she's going to give you what for. She'll whip the crap out of you and stuff. Yeah. I assumed it was this. Uh, like literally didn't know whether it was a dominatrix, but uh, <laughs> yes. but it's his it's his beautiful wife, Miss Marie. <laughs> yes, I guess she's sort of waiting it in with a rolling pin, like Andy Cap's wife or something like that. But um, yeah, it's a, uh, I guess if you're holding off on information like last names, I mean, it's you know we we don't when you've known someone as long as these two have, you don't aren't constantly saying you know my wife type of thing. But uh, it's uh, it's it's information the reader might have appreciated. Right. Um, and by the way, I labeled that sentence about the bath. Dale just wanted a bath as the great sentence of the week. That, <laughs> that made me enormously happy. It is good. It is good. <laughs> you really get the sense of him just being like, you know, full burping, you know, coughing up uh, elk and fowl. And, but he's just like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, honey. I don't know if it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> he's turning up Monday Night Football just like. <laughs> uh, he reiterates it, by the way, when they... Uh, uh, pull over there, Big Bear. She says, Light Feather and Fast Cat are going on down the river to another warm pool. Here you can have all the privacy you so desire. All I need is a good bath. <laughs> yes. I feel so dirty, it may take me the rest of the day to soak off all the grime. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's, boy, he's that l- Miss Marie is one lucky woman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's doing the old trope of just, you know, uh, scuttling all chances oblivious to the, uh, to the woman, you know, wanting to sleep with him. Um, uh, but he also, we get, uh, he says, damn it, boy, hot springs to uh, Light Feather. To Light Feather, yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure enough, when they came to water, to her. when they came to water, there was steam rising several feet into the air. Damn it, boy, hot springs, Dale declared <laughs> to the sexy young maiden boy that he's traveling with. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's one of those, uh, one of those uh, things that applies to uh, to everybody. Like, there's this thing that I guess they talk about in Philadelphia, how they call everything John. That's like some some new uh, some some new slang oh. term type of thing. They just use uh-huh. it as a term for just about everything. So I guess boy applies to men, women, uh, all genders, inanimate objects, animals. Like that just could be the the regional term he's using. Uh, yeah, it's a, a y'all or the annoying Midwestern you guys. Yes. <laughs> um, which is, leads to one of my favorite things with uh, waiters or waitresses. Here you guys go when they set something down. <laughs> Wait, here we go? <laughs> You're setting food in front of us, but we have to leave? What's happening? You guys is? Is that a, does they, do they ever? Oh, you guys is, is definitely, yeah. That's, that's, oh uh, most people try to avoid it, but some people just march on full they're, ahead into it. They're all in, yeah. They're setting their ways, and you ain't going to change them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see the, uh, then we, we get more of his relationship here and you know, uh, you, you give to, to the, to the Amazon reviewers credit, you give, uh, credit to the sincerity. He says, Dale says when he's talking about after he gets all the grime off, what are you going to do while I take a bath? He was hoping to enjoy the bath alone. Temptation of bathing with a pretty young maiden was not particularly what he needed at this stage of the game to be faithful to his wife and honest with himself was much more important no matter the situation. So 
you know, that's probably a little bit of a, it could be maybe Charles E. Harris, you know, sort of caging it if his, if his wife was reading this and is like, man, my husband's writing this horny, horny book, but, uh, oh, this is, uh, clearly his, uh, his, his self insert here that he's faithful no matter the situation. So, well, this is probably after his, uh, fourth affair and uh, (laughs) she was just about to leave and he wrote this and would leave sheafs of this kind of stuff around by the bed. Oh, is my book over there? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I did. I read the thing about your arousal growing. Uh, what do you <laughs> explain yourself here, Chuck? Uh, but I like that she immediately. Um, so this is the the one who we learn later. She's a white woman, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's why there's they they didn't do a lot about the the language. I mean, I assumed they weren't speaking in her native tongue. Sure. Um, she's bilingual, I guess. But she immediately takes the the cue. She knows that the temptation of bathing with a pretty young maiden was not particularly what he needed at that stage of the game and says, <laughs> I will do as you wish, Big Bear. I will stay and help you with your bath, or I will wait by the canoe for you, whichever you think is right in your mind. So, she, <laughs> so she's got a real post, postmodern outlook. Do whatever's right in your mind. Right, um, yes. Follow your own truth. Right. Yeah, you know, in your heart is usually where you're making these type of decisions in uh, in cliched uh, cliched English. But I, I also really enjoyed Chad's, uh, Dale's response to that. Please understand that I appreciate you very much, but I must not give any thought to this matter because of my love and my respect for my wife. I could never face her again if I were disloyal. So that's where, that's where his mind's at. Uh, to which she responds, and this is, <laughs> I mean, at this point, this is like a. Uh, you know, this is the stuff before a, a formal, uh, like a jousting or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like Pamela or something with yeah, this there's, type of there's courtship. There's some sort of uh, court language they're using here, you know, which you have to be very careful to choose your words. And <laughs> uh, I have more respect for you than you think for your decision, Big Bear. I am glad to know an honest and true man. Your woman is lucky to have you. And it's, it's just, this begins to sound like recitations that are out of a book. And, yes. you know. Now I shall leave you to your bath, and then bowing all the way out as she leaves. <laughs> right, he has to give her his uh, his handkerchief out of his pocket as a as a token of respect. But you know, it's a it's a one step on a on a thing of many for getting to know somebody. <laughs> yes, uh, but enough of the that. Uh, yeah, enough of the non sex PG thirteen bullshit. Let's get to it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Come fast, cat, she said as if in a hurry, pulling his hand and almost making him stumble. We have the best spot in which to bathe. Chad's heart rushed with excitement as he asked, what do you mean, our bath? Which is not what she said. Uh, He could hardly contain his thoughts of seeing the naked body of this young princess. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, you know, knowing Chad, what what do you think his thoughts would be? (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing he wants her like, you know, wearing a John Deere trucker hat and uh, sort of sprawled across the hood of a Mac or something like that, like in in all the magazines he's read as he's trucking. Could you uh, put up one knee and turn to the side like the uh, mud flap lady? Yes, exactly. Um, and then, uh, he says, uh, she says, she asks him if he's, if he's ready to find out the answer that, uh, he's, he sent his soulmate. Uh, but then she, uh, leaps into his arms and placed a sweet, tender kiss on his lips. Chad's entire body began to shiver as chills of passion ran down his spine. His knees became weak and his blood pressure soared. Settle down, man. Act like you've been there before. <laughs> yeah. He released her and saw in her eyes a deep, true longing he'd not seen give him by anyone so ravishingly beautiful and innocent. So that's, uh, you know, again, we thought the mister was bad, but uh, 
you know, romance novel writing is a, is a, is a difficult endeavor, folks, as these last two books have, have clearly put forward to us. Well, at this point, does she not stop and go, oh my God, you're obviously ill. Um, yes. You have the yellow fever or whatever, you know. Uh, we we got to get you to the medicine man immediately. But it goes on. He knew he wanted her for his own, and from her vibrations, <laughs> he knew this woman sincerely wanted him. Yeah, very off-putting. She you seemed mean- to melt in his arms as her eyes projected want need and passionate desire that had to be fulfilled from the man she thought was the one she'd saved herself for her entire life (laughs) so uh, i don't know second look at uh, james i don't yes (laughs) maybe that is good prose i don't know no, I mean, the, the, the vibrations are, uh, you know, you, you can picture his. He's sort of doing like the, uh, the, uh, the, the nerd in a movie, doing like the, oh, <laughs> like, you know, that sort of like recoiling. But if she's doing full vibrations, that's, a, um, you know, I guess maybe it's like a ay, 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 type of thing. Um, but, but doing yeah. it at the same time as melting, <laughs> that is a difficult uh, physical act to pull off. And I just like that she's, you know, she's pretty much like whipping her clothes off. They're at a private bath. She's in his arms. He's got a, you know, he's, his, his groin is tight. But she still, she thought this is the one she's saved for her entire life. She's, <laughs> this is, you know, she's, she's, she's going with the best information put forth so far. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, 12 times the charm, right? This has got to be him. Uh, <laughs> but, she clung to him tightly as he gently placed her on the ground and dropped to his knees. Mm-hmm. And began to kiss her tenderly and passionately. Slowly, he undressed <laughs> her with shaking hands and curious excitement. The submissive and passionate smile on her lips told Chad that he was about to have something he had wanted throughout his life. Yeah, so there we go. Throughout. This is, this is either, yeah, this is either Chad's, you know, trucker's first time or... Banging a uh, virgin uh, Native American woman in a hot spring is something he's wanted his entire life. Throughout. So it's <laughs> not like the thought occurred to him once and then several years later, like, hey, I never got, I never did that thing that I was thinking of. No, it, <laughs> right. it was a constant thought on his mind. Right. His, uh, his senior year English teacher is like, you know, you know, had him do his list of things to do before you're 30. And this was on there. Uh, he got a bad grade because that was not appropriate for high school English class, but he's he's saved it and he's gradually checked off a few more things. But the uh, the hot spring uh, virginity defiling is not on there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but that's not what happens, really. Well, he she says she says I'm sure my lonely nights are over and my lodge will now be filled with only happiness. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Chad was so filled with emotion he could only watch this young maiden as she washed him. And did it with the care and tenderness you would expect a mother to give a small child. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, all right, maybe the mystery is more erotic than this at this point in time. I'm sort of like, so like my whole, my whole thing of him was like, I would, so you're, when he's saying something he's wanted his entire life, I was imagining the, uh, the next door neighbor in office space, that kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, what he would do if he had, you know, millions of dollars, two chicks at the same time type of thing. Now, now just, you know, smash cut to him getting washed like a small child by their mother. And that's. uh... (laughs) Uh, Well, then it inaccurately says his heart was finally taken by the beauty and caring nature of a real down to earth princess. My God, his heart has been just uh, 
either full or empty or whatever this entire section Uh, yeah his mind has been filled with thoughts of and then now it's finally taken (laughs) what was happening before that moment right yes um and uh that's I think that sort of cuts away from that. I th- I assume that they they got busy um, after the washing, um, you know, because if you know, it's not like Dale has been revealed to be the the slob versus the snob in this equation. They're the exact same thing. So if the grind that's going to stink off of him takes a whole day to wash off, Chad is still in the same situation. So she's maybe just doing the sanitary thing before they get all all steamy. Yeah, uh, she's, you know, when they cut away, he was about to say, damn, boy, get down under the undercarriage there and really go at it. Cause <laughs> right. There's some things happening down there you don't want to see. Yeah, there's there's still some residuals from when I, before I got that beaded seat cushion. And man, uh, <laughs> regular seats can just rack, wreak havoc down there. Uh, I didn't toss every bag, uh, plastic bag out the window, uh, right. by the way. Right, as you're going, it's uh, you know the, the the wiping part of that bag equation. It's not all uh, it's not all not all easy disposal. There's a downside of it too. <laughs> oh <laughs> dear, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, then we we cut back to yeah we cut back to the chaste couple, um, and yeah. uh, and that's where we learn an interesting <laughs> the interesting bit about her. Yeah, so she's yeah she's got a good backstory too. Um, she's the chief's daughter. Uh, we pick up on. Um, and she says, uh, she sort of fills us in. When I was small, my white family lived in a cabin many miles north of here. We were attacked by a bunch of white men, and they were all killed. I would have been killed also, but I was on a hill picking berries, and I was not seen. They burned our cabin and did bad things to my mother and sister. (laughs) They burned my brother and father in the cabin, (laughs) which I thought... You know, also pretty bad. Like, I know what you're implying yeah. here, but, uh, you know, it's not like your brother and father got off scot-free in the equation. <laughs> yeah, that was a, an unfortunate phrasing of those things, the way she did it. <laughs> oh, so your brother and father, uh, you must write to them. Every- no, 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 they were burned alive. Uh, they, they, they suffered horribly in their final moments. And uh, <laughs> Is that inclusive in the bad things? I just want to get clear that you find that to be bad as well. Yeah, it's, it's once again, the uh, it's a very Jim Dalany description of her family. <laughs> uh, I loved, this was reminiscent of a certain... Uh, a movie that's a favorite of ours over at Rift Tracks, the the guy from Harlem. Uh, oh boy! Can you tell me how you became the chief's daughter? I know you're not <laughs> of Indian blood. I don't mean to pry. I'm just curious. <laughs> well, that's a very interesting story. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the uninitiated, he asks this woman um, how she became uh, a princess, and she said that's a, a woman who is clearly. Clearly, someone who would be a a a backup dancer from you know L.A. or New York on Soul Train or something like yes. that, as yeah. American as can be. Um, uh, she no. has zero accent. She yeah. <laughs> so she says, uh, "Oh, that's a very interesting story." And then there's a click in the in the 35 millimeter to indicate that uh, 12 frames or so are missing, <laughs> and that the story was in those 12 frames. Yes. It is literally a second later, if not, you know, a little less than that. <laughs> it is the type of thing that when you uh, when you see people who uh, try to make a bad movie, it's the the little touches like that that are they, they never nail down that, that that betrays their whole vision because you could not possibly think to do that. <laughs> right. Um, so that's all I have. For that, yeah, there's, uh, she says that uh, she she has a feeling that the other two are not coming back any soon. She has told me of her love for him, and I think she is now showing him. She said with a sneaky grin. 
and uh, yeah, the other, the, I just, I just picked up they had, they had, had a had a sneaky grin earlier, and that's just never has a good context when you're when you're referring to uh, to uh, Native, know, Native Americans, Americans or yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, it's usually has has a has a has a quite a quite a stereotypical application there, but it always seems to be a, a positive in this book. So you know, maybe he's taking it back. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he just didn't couldn't think of a good synonym for it. So it's just <laughs> it was the only word that he knew, like sneaky. Right. Yes. Um, I guess he thinks it's sort of I don't know. Uh, it's coy, co- essentially coquettish or coy. Yes, yeah, yeah. sneaky. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unfortunate choice. Yes. Um, all right, so that's the end of chapter seven. We do have the two short chapters coming up, but I think before we do that, we should read some fan fiction. And now I bet they bitching because my flow switching, trying to tell me what to write about some fan fiction. Can't they just be happy? I no longer have to face eviction that I'm living on my life. I'm well, coming in uh, once again after a. I'm bad last episode. I didn't do great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's still the beginning sessions of this book. You're learning the ins and outs of Charles E. Harris's writing. But uh, so are our listeners who have come up with some more diabolical fan fiction. These could all be written by them, or they could be real passages from later in the book. Let's get right. started. Number one. Do you have a horse, dancing leaf, or a sly smile, as she asked this? Dale laughed at Chad's confusion. He thinks you mean for him to make an escape. Dancing Leaf shook her head in the quaint way of the women here. You cannot make Lightfeather a wife without a horse for the chief, and a buffalo hide to make a home. Well, that's going to be a problem, Chad rubbed his chin as though he was thinking hard. Dancing Leaf saw his concern and smiled more coyly. Fast Cat will have to steal Lightfeather. Steal, Chad and Dale said together. Hmm, coyly. I think that's the giveaway. He doesn't know the word coy. Sneakily. (laughs) So I'm going to say that's fanfic. <laughs> All right, um, that could have been uh, could have been an unfortunate uh, discussion on our part right before that. Uh, number two, sitting da- sit down, gentlemen, and tell us all about that remarkable medical training. Mrs. Flat wrinkled her nose and interjected, "Perhaps not at the dinner table, dear. I, for one, am eager for any news they have f- from home that can supplement Christina's knowledge she brought with her." Chad and Dale exchanged a look, neither taking the seats offered to them. Well, actually, ma'am, we came on a rather urgent errand on behalf of Chief Darkhorse, the father of that Indian boy we saved, to parley with the general to avoid a war. Is the general here? Chad asked. Before anyone could answer, Pat Collins burst through the door with General Rollins hard on his heels. There they are, General. I told you. Those men are traitors, and what's more, they have disgraced my honor. I demand satisfaction. Hmm. I'm very much intrigued by Mrs. Flat. I remember her uh, introduction. Yeah, that was the medic's uh, wife yes. who was coming from Pittsburgh. Who was going to come, and she had many questions for the two uh, mismatched roommates uh, to get their story straight. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, cast my hopes on it and say it's real. Okay. Uh, and that's do number three. I think I have six this time. Uh, Collins turned sharply on Chad and Dale. I reckon you two need another reminder of who's in charge in this situation. Damn it, boy, it's not a matter of who's in charge. It's a matter of right or wrong. Are you just going to pretend you didn't hear what Blackfeather just told us about the village? You tell him, Dale. This old boy's got more stripes on his uniform than he has common sense in his head, said Chad. You got that right, Chad. I guess it's always been the same way in the military. Some hothead who don't know when a change in the battlefield situation requires you to disobey orders, said Dale, this time speaking directly to Collins, whose face was starting to redden. (laughs) <laughs> that's got uh nice touches i'm gonna say it's fanfic but my you know again my confidence level is low all right uh number four 
Tell me, where did you learn those moves you put on Collins? The captain asked. I haven't seen that kind of maneuvering before. He was in total shock when he finally got himself together. Captain, that was known as karate. It's an art known <laughs> it's an art known by a handful of people back in the United States. The government was given permission to send a few men to China to learn the art. Chad and I were lucky enough to have been selected to go, Dale lied, hoping to convince the captain in order to get out of telling more lies. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's bringing in a concept from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, doesn't uh... <laughs> Doesn't Chip, or is that his name, the brother? Uh, oh, I don't remember. I'm the only one who knows illegal moves, karate <laughs> moves from the government. Wow. So oh, so I'm going to say that that's fanfic, but I hope it's not. <laughs> Might have tipped a hand. Uh, number five. Rollin turned to Chad and Dale. Dr- sorry, Rollins turned to Chad and Dale. You two are the biggest pains in my backside since old General Sheridan put me in charge of this outfit. Danged if you aren't useful, though. Chad spoke up. Glad to oblige, General. We just hope you can remember who the bad guys really are in this situation, which is an extremely confusing one. That's true, General. If Chad and I had not helped you out with this Indian situation, you might have been in a world of hurt, and General Sheridan might not have taken too kindly to that. From what I've read in books in our... wagon, he was a tough son of a gun, stated Dale. Later, when they were alone, Chad poked Dale in the ribs. Damn it, boy, I thought you were going to tell him you read those books in our truck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think that's fanfic, <laughs> but I like it. And finally, number six. Damn it, boy. <laughs> if the Indian people cross the river tomorrow, they will be massacred, Dale said. It's a famous Indian massacre I read about. We have to warn Dark Horse not to go without letting him know we have knowledge of future events. We will just have to pretend to have a vision like their medicine man, Wild Eyes, and tell Dark Horse that crossing the river will anger the spirit or a similar story that will inflame his sense of superstition. I agree with you, partner, Chad responded. (laughs) We have to keep the Indians from injury or harm. Pretending to have a supernatural vision of great calamity or disaster is the only way to convince them of this dangerous massacre they are crossing into, especially since the Indians believe we possess great medicine, as they call it. They are a kind and decent people, and we need to repay their kindness in kind. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's nothing that to tell me that it's not uh, right. real, but I'm going to say that it's fanfic. Yeah, uh, that one uh that one may have uh flown too high to close to the sun with its last <laughs> sentence. <laughs> but like all you have to do is say damn it boy and then have him agree and like there's, you that's, know, you Yeah, that's 30% of the book, so <laughs> sure. All right. Well, uh you think you think you did more right than wrong, but let's go through. Number one was uh, uh, Steel, they said together, about horses. You identified that as fanfic. That was correct. That was fanfic by Patreon supporter Marie. Uh, number two, uh, that was the one with uh, Mrs. Flat and uh, Collins bursting in to demand satisfaction. Uh, that was incorrect. That was fanfic. Oh, written written damn, by Heather, can... who has... Uh, Heather? Heather has... Heather has tricked you three times in the oh my three God, for three in the past. Oh, my God, she got me uh, again. <laughs> yes. what, do so you, uh, what do you know yeah. about me? She's Get like out the of gold. my head, man. She's the Golden State Warriors here of uh, Fanfic or Real. Uh, t- uh, the last one, third one, I'm sorry, was uh, you got correct. That was fanfic. That was uh, uh, Collins's face who was starting to redden. That was fanfic by Tom H., um, the fourth one, uh, karate, secret government karate, uh, been given permission to go to China to learn the art. 
Uh, you were incorrect. That is real. That is oh a real passage God. from later in the book. No. It is. <laughs> Bale's lie off the top of his head is that the government sends people to karate, to uh, to China to learn karate. So wow. The fact that that is a Napoleon Dynamite uh, thing is even more <laughs> pleasing to me to learn that. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did learn they were black belts at the beginning of the book, so I guess that pays off. Yeah. Uh, uh, the fifth one was, uh, uh, damn it, boy, I thought you were going to tell him you read those books in our truck. Uh, you got that correct. Um, that was a fanfic by Patreon supporter Aaron. And then uh, the final one, uh, the we they are kind and decent people and we need to repay their kindness in kind. Yes, that is fanfic <laughs> written by Patreon supporter Douglas. But, you know, uh, it's you got it, but it still made me laugh. So Yeah, and from what's coming up in, uh, I guess it's the last chapter, it's, uh, yeah, that's that's close. Yes. <laughs> Close to their language, for sure. So thank you for uh, sending those in. Please keep sending them in. Uh, th- thanks to all the Patreon supporters who sent them in. Our Patreon is at patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, I think we're going to run a, do a, a contest over there this week, uh, since we've read enough of this book to do that there. But yeah, uh, fun people, good times. Um, and uh, we are, I think, now four supporters away from... Uh, three! Three supporters three. away from 400. The magic so. and difficult to attain 400. Yes, so we will do uh, we'll do something once we hit that. Uh, we'll try to post something. Maybe it will entice people to sign up. But uh, yeah, we can we can move on now to chapter eight, which is uh, essentially one long angry chief scene. <laughs> yes, uh, beginning with uh, fear and anger ran through the ranks at the fort. <laughs> That's how he starts a chapter. Yes, uh, I think that's so. That's sort of like a false range. That's one of uh, Lauren's pet peeves when when editing is, uh, you know, you know this catalog. Uh, this catalog covers everything from backpacks to stoves, and she's always like, "This is not. Those are. There's no. There's no range in between those." Things. Right. Like, you know, right. <laughs> um, well, speaking of range, you get of all the things the troop could imagine. War with the Sioux was not the most pleasant. Yes. So let's <laughs> Fantastic. run down a list. I mean, pemmican is a thing that they could imagine. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, a, a white buffalo, those are often spoken of in legend. Um, boots, you know, their own boots. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things to imagine, but uh, yes. it was not the most pleasant. Right. <laughs> but it also implies it's not the least pleasant either. Right, right. I mean, it's sort of just putting it out there, like, um, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was, I, I was impressed by that. That was one of my dumb sentences. Oh, yeah. All of my uh, dumb sentences have been burnt so far. Oh, brother. Way, so I'm keeping, <laughs> I've, I've still got more to come, so don't, I'm not discouraged yet. Uh, yeah, so it goes back to the to the angry chief, or maybe the angry captain, I can't keep track of them, but uh, he's his, his main concern appears to be uh, finding... Um, men who are going to volunteer to go and bury the remains of the uh, the troops who got massacred, and he sort of hems and haws like this, as if it's like the worst possible thing you can imagine is asking these men to go do this. I mean, they're they're about to start a war, so presumably they're they're he's called upon you know getting two hundred new troops, but um, it seems like the uh, when when faced with the decision, the men who are being called to go off and and go to war with the Indians who just massacred everybody would rather do that than go and bury the victims of the last massacre. <laughs> Right, presumably they've pulled out of the area, and it's you know probably not going to be pleasant work. Nobody, yeah, exactly. But, but, but less of a chance of dying horribly from a uh, from a tomahawk to the head. Uh, and, and here's the, I don't know what this means. So again, help me out with this. They knew it would be only a matter of time before the general acted upon the slaughter of the patrol and the lieutenant. Lack of manpower was the immediate reason, <laughs> but replacements had already been requested. 
was the immediate reason it was only a matter of time, <laughs> but the replacements? Does that make any sense? I think Read the first I part of it again. Read the first part. They knew it would only be... Sorry. They knew it would be only a matter of time before the general acted upon the slaughter of the patrol and the lieutenant. Lack of manpower was the immediate reason. <laughs> okay. But, so, yeah. But... Putting, putting all of that aside, replacements had already been requested. I think he's just, you know, conjunctions and things. Oh, like, it's but, very conjunction. There's, I mean, but I'm, it's I, just there. I don't know. I was going to go through the act of making it believe like I understood that and you were wrong, but I, I can't even do it. <laughs> it was the immediate reason that he could not attack now is the lack of manpower, but he phrases it as it's only a matter of time before we attack because we don't have enough people. Yes. But the attack is inevitable. Eh, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, then we also get uh, this great sentence. The first thing necessary was to send college, Collins to scout out the village for host, hostile activity and hope everything would be peaceful. So part, <laughs> part of Collins' job was to hope everything would be peaceful. Right. That's like in his job description. We're going to send Collins into the uh, alligator pit and hope there's no alligators. <laughs> He's going to go into the hostile territory and hope that it's peaceful. Keep hoping, Collins. <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, so this was another one of those uh, famous short chapters we talked about that probably just could have been, uh, you know, uh, carriage return divisions away. I don't have anything else for it. No, it's very brief. And that's just it. It's just him uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to send guys out to, to bury their, their buddies. <laughs> uh, chapter 9 is another brief one uh, It did start with something that I, I noticed Late in the game as I was taking Going through my notes again uh, And this is going to be something that is going to be a, It's it's sort of going to be like a, a calibrate your taste moment actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you And I'm going to ask if you think it's funny okay. um, And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see uh, Just what your past couple of months have been like Alright One more time This is Patch one more, he's at, he's at the cabin that uh, that nobody will be at because nobody knows where it is. He's like that guy. He's like the guy from Harlem, really. Nobody's ever seen it. Right. <laughs> uh, so he says, one more time, he yelled into the cabin and still had no answer. So he looked around the back where the horses were. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> he looked around the back where the horses were. I... I had to reread this thing many times. Okay. I just, I, 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 so I, I take it you're not familiar what is with, with a song that has been number one in the country for the past four months straight. No. I got the horses in the back. Oh, this was referenced. <laughs> I had, this had to be explained to me when uh, I believe it was a joke in Rift Tracks. Okay, yes. Yeah, there was, there was, I sl- sl- sunk one in there uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Shockingly, I am out of step with the... <laughs> with the uh, it was the last song played at my brother's wedding a couple weeks ago. Wow, and what is, is this a country song? It was a, it was removed from the country song, causing much uproar because it's because it's not a country song, but it sort of is about horses. And then Billy Ray Cyrus remixed it, so I think it then took back over the country charts. But it is a uh, Little Nas X's uh, uh, "Old Town Road," which is I've told I've told Lauren that there will one day come a day where we uh, well we do not find ourselves humming this song, um, but that day is not today. <laughs> yeah, um, it is so it is catchy. Oh, it's extremely catchy. We'll listen to it uh, in a couple weeks in Nashville. All right, sounds good. Uh, in the meantime, help me figure this out. 
Wilson had outsmarted himself going so far around trying to fool the Indians that were looking for him, which he probably would have, but he hadn't figured on the three Apache scouts tracking him also. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to give it one more time. Wilson had outsmarted himself going so far around trying to fool the Indians that were looking for him, which he probably would have, but he hadn't figured on the three <laughs> Apache scouts oh my tracking God. him also. You have me half the way through it, uh, but then you add in the conditional uh, imaginary response where he would have. Uh, yeah, I guess he's saying I would have fooled them yes, if I'd have known about the three Apache scouts. But he, it, how had he outsmarted himself by going so far around trying to fool the Indians yeah. that were looking for him? Yeah, I would have pulled it off if it weren't for you pesky, undiagrammable sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, he gets to the uh he gets to the to the cabin where there was supposed to be no one there, but then there are Jim Eagle is there. Uh we got an utterly amazing sentence um uh which is Black Hawk, Jim Eagle said to Black Hawk as he jumped from the roof. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to then continue with that sentence, but uh I think that Jimmy Black Hawk or Jim Eagle is jumping for the roof. He's he's telling him that they need to uh light Tight, loosen the noose around his neck otherwise he's going to choke um but it's a it's a uh, amazing action sentence if jim eagle is the one jumping because there's no uh there's no black hawk as he's like leaping and, right uh, right uh we and, did another i, I told you, you you sometimes hard to track whose thing is he talking about in a long sentence and this is a good example patch was trying to get his fingers between the rope and his neck in order to breathe when Jim Eagle took his pistol from his holster and skinning knife from its scabbard and tossed them <laughs> in the dirt where his rifle had failed. <laughs> so I think I get from it that Patch is trying to get his fingers between the rope and the neck, and then Jim Eagle took Patch's pistol from his holster and skinning knife, but there's no way. I mean, oh, it's like an old uh, text based uh, adventure game where it's like take knife. You do not have knife. Take Patch's knife. You take Patch's knife. Take his holster. Whose holster? Like, yeah, just that sort of level of, uh, I just need more information here. My brain is the, uh, is the text parser of uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text game. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is a, you know, a very action-y scene. They, they you know, they lasso this, this uh, sarma gun, this yeah. varmint. Yeah. <laughs> and they get it around his neck, and they tie him up, and uh, and he's just a cursing and a spitting. Uh, it's it's a it should be a good scene, but I had to like read it several times to go wait what? <laughs> so right yeah, um, and they essentially just sort of uh, they 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 smack him around, but then they they say that uh, you know the we we need to, we can't just uh, turn him over to the white man and hang him. We need to give him Indian justice. The punishment must fit the crime. The white man will only hang him. Just hang. We know as Indian, it is not enough. He should be made to suffer Indian justice. Um, and so they they sort of leave it with that uh, as far as what's going to happen to Patch. We find out next chapter what they've got in store for him. Oh, my. It, <laughs> much <laughs> I'm like excited the, about that. Much like the love scenes. It uh, Wow. It, uh, it takes a turn. You are not expecting. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other little thing of this brief chapter is that uh, Collins is trying to go to the village to sort of um, he's investigating the hostile scene to see if it's peaceful. Um, and he is, is confronted uh, by three socks. Um, the, uh, the guy we mentioned at the outset of the chapter, one of our favorite, um, names so far. I mean, go to hell, blue duck. We've got three socks now. Um, and three socks, 
I, th- I don't think three socks we see again. No, I was really? I was so fond of it that I I went looking to so I could um so I could copy the text over in the PDF. We have a PDF of this book, by the way. <laughs> a uh, a listener uh, sent it away to one of those book scanning uh, services and and got it uh, distributed for us. So we're very grateful for that guy. Uh, some guy was asking questions about the uh, screenshots I was posting on Twitter, and uh, that's that's how that happened. But um. I don't think I don't think it's responsible to That's share it. It's too bad but. that Three Socks has not returned. Yeah, but his introduction is even more jarring than uh, I, I think I should explain. He, so Collins is uh, he's clipping along. He's trying to get there. His horse stumbles and fell. He jumped free to keep from being pinned under the horse. Before he could regain his balance, Three Socks had his head pulled back with a knife at his throat. <laughs> what? what? So it's, Three Socks appears like it's like a magic act, and we've yeah. never heard of him before. And he's the first mention of him is out of out of this you know horse accident. He just appears <laughs> and he's pulling the guy's head back and putting a knife to his throat. Yes. Yes. Well, well yeah. hello, Three Socks. There yeah. you are. Maybe he's introducing himself, you know, like, uh, you know, the Steve Holt or something. Three Socks! <laughs> yeah. I'm confirming. This is the only appearance of Three Socks in this book. Oh, Harris, dropping the ball. Dropping he's the ball. Like, he could be like the uh, the, the Russian in uh, out in the Pine Barrens at The Sopranos. He's just lying in wait to make another appearance like this. So, yeah, don't put Three Socks in any fan fiction because we'll see right through it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, boy. If somebody skips this, they're going to walk right into it. <laughs> uh, I, liked the, uh, I liked this, though. Are you a friend of Bad Eye? He asked in a language Collins did not know. He made a few hand gestures that most Indians understood and was released. <laughs> so I, need to, I just need to know what those are. I need to know what, we, what, what hand gestures that, that most Indians spread across the, uh, the 3,000 miles of our continent were, were going to be universal for them. Well, once again, he... He's doing the shift. Are you a friend of Bad Eye? He asked in a language. Next sentence. He made a few hand gestures. So it was like, <laughs> obviously, you think it's still. Wait, wait. Three socks right. is making hand. Oh no, it's him. Right. And then he says he is a scout. Who says? <laughs> There's no more. the The words are no longer attributed, and then the chapter's just over. So. Right, and the chapter is over. However, it ends on, as I teased earlier, one of my favorite pages in all of literature, uh, page page one sixty two. I see where now. where, where dude, dude is some sort of uh, some sort of mishap with the with the text spacing, kerning, whatever the hell it is. It just says the author's name at the top of it, Charles E. Harris, and it is completely blank. <laughs> it's like when you're taking a standardized test, and it says this page intentionally left blank. That was just sort of something that he actually put into the final copy of his book. <laughs> Uh, that is the uh, cheapest and easiest way to pad out the page count. That is for yes. sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So that 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 glorious page takes us right into chapter ten, our final and, chapter. Uh, this is a doozy of a chapter. Oh man, a lot happens here. Uh, we've got uh, sex and violence, and you know, let's get right to it. I think it started off with uh, them returning from their uh, bath. Yes. And yeah. uh, this is uh, if, if I were still in the game, this would be my pickup <laughs> line. You look like a dried prune, but you look clean and neat. <laughs> that is, that I mean, is, of course, um, Dale teasing Chad. On behalf of the the dried prune slander league, I'd like to say that bo- both of those are, are they're not mutually exclusive here. And I also that, like was that uh, was dried prune used somewhere else in this thing, or am I just thinking of prune stew? In, prune in our, stew, I think, is what you were getting okay. at, and she she Alicia mused at prunes. 
when he when he, I think he said she did not want her to prune, and then she was she was uh, questioning that word, even though she had been uh, eating prune stew earlier. It is remarkable the strange things that are threads through threads. all of these dumb it's books amazing. that we read. <laughs> prunes. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, just because you have prunes in your book doesn't make it bad, but it does appear to be a, a constant. <laughs> it's a hallmark. Uh, I like the uh, Dale and Dancing Leaf were getting into their canoes when they heard Chad call for them. They were wearing the look of the cat that ate the mouse. That's not the expression, is it? No. The, the cat that caught the canary, <laughs> Caught right? the canary is pretty much, <laughs> yeah, that has some alliteration there. I think that's the preferred version. <laughs> but uh, we Chad uh, Chad sort of turns into a, a politician or like a pro athlete in a press conference when, when Dale's sort of trying to get some, uh, he's trying to bro down with him. He's like, I don't think you two need hot springs to take a bath. You two could make ice water boil in a minute or two. Did you have as much fun as I think you did, or are my eyes deceiving me by the looks of contentment on your guilty faces? He kidded. <laughs> we, refu- we refuse to discuss it, but you can rest assured our time together was totally and completely enjoyable, Chad says. <laughs> so he's essentially doing like a good game. Both teams played hard out there, uh, you know, or, uh, or uh, mistakes were made. I regret if anyone was offended type of thing. Yes, it was, uh, you know, they used to call it uh, Nixonian language, you know, passive voice, and uh, we refused to discuss it. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the closest we get to any details of the, uh, the we sort of uh, yada, yada, yada over the actual sex. I'm not going to challenge people to write what the sex would look like if Charles E. Harris went through with the whole thing but you know i'm not going to not read it if you send it to me oh brother oh boy (laughs) Uh, the lowest point of our podcast so far um so let me uh let me raise the level by going back to a kleinian thing they took their time going back soaking up the picturesque scenery of the mountains of snow-capped peaks and the valleys and plains that seemed undisturbed and colorful (laughs) seemed We're, we're we're still unsure Right. Yeah, no tracks. They look, uh, they're very remote. But yeah, I guess he's just, he's, he's caging, his, caging his bed. They could have been disturbed by a lynx or something. Um, and then we get, uh, we get to, oh, by the way, there's a statement here that I wanted. Uh, what a deal, Dale stated to Chad from his canoe. <laughs> Is that something you state? Like, hell of a deal, man. Yeah. Connor, I, I have a statement to issue. What yes, the hell, please. man? You son of a bitch. <laughs> That's my statement. Uh, questions, please. I have no questions about your statement. It was it was very clear. <laughs> uh, but Chad's manifesto about the land is oh my astonishing. God. I'm, I didn't. I, I I just you know read it all. People is kind of what I want to say to it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you have some uh, some select bits. Yes. Uh, so I think uh, I think it starts off with uh, Dale. Dale says something. He says. Um, this is unbelievable, a river that is peaceful and clean, air that is so clear you can actually see forever, and fowl, spelled the right way, flying as though there was no fear from lack of food or any type of predator to give them trouble. It seems such a shame all this has to be touched by greed and prejudices of white man. What is what is Chad's reaction, do you think, um, just off well, the top of your head? I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, at least put a finger up in objection as on behalf of seeing as I am a white man. I mean, I know exactly what you are saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, he agrees with him immediately. He uh, he goes into we uh, we get we, we get a little bit of details. Uh, the bath at the hot springs was the most relaxing experience I have known in my life. I just I just laid back. And, 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 eh? and watched the birds and listened to the frogs and crickets sing. Damn it, boy! 
We thought we were going to get some details. And then, yeah, it's the uh, the football player comes out of the bedroom after he'd gone in with the cheerleader, and uh, <laughs> well, what happened? Yeah, that bed is so comfortable. <laughs> I mean, there's a comforter on it that's uh, it's almost no weight at all, and it's warm, but it breathes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then he goes on to this one. This was my uh, one of my favorites. I can see now just how wrong people were to rape this land for power and money. <laughs> so before this, uh, one has to assume by, by pure heresy and logic uh, that he was totally pro-rape of land for power and money. Uh, he's now, only now had his eyes open to the, to the wrong of it. Takes one bath in a river and uh, <laughs> suddenly becomes anti-rape of land. <laughs> uh, that must have been one hell of a stream. Uh, and then he says, uh, everything you see is sacred to them. Uh, they value everything around them, from the animal to the very land they live on. I am so impressed and feel so fortunate to have been sent here. I have an idea that what we do from this point on will be for the betterment and survival of the most decent people we'll ever know. And this, to me, to me, this is the second most eloquent time traveler speech I've ever read. I was that moved by it, but it didn't take the top spot, which I would, uh, I'd like to play you right now. The the what I believe is the first most eloquent uh, speech a time traveler has ever made. The first most eloquent time traveler speech ever made. Here we go. You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> So yeah, I can see uh, what you're saying. Yeah, course. it's uh, it sort of just ranks up there. And not, that, I mean, you know, we don't have to parse them whether one is better, better or worse than the other one. But to me, there, there, there is a clear distinction. Uh, yes, if I uh, if we were in the same room, I could see your uh, your eyes misting over a little bit as you <laughs> as you heard that. Um, but yeah, so they they return back to the uh, to the village. Um, where it appears everyone's having a, a good old time, um, in case we were unclear about whether they were happy from that sentence that used the word happy three times in it. Uh, what a joyous time they were having with these boys and two ladies. There was much laughter and warmth, feelings that were surely conducive to the times of young, happy boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote down about that one, that this line is so earnest and clumsy, I half hope that Maxim's headmate would interject something real quick right then. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, the young happy boy is uh it's 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 too much for him to bear. <laughs> right. He starts vibrating with excitement. Uh, but before that, a Slim Fox told the story again of the big cat that attacked Dale. <laughs> oh my god, so, yeah. God, Slim Fox, will you shut up about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. And then the cat jumped and he had a knife on a stick and he, he, he the big big cat was stabbing the knife with the stick like dap dap yeah. It's like god. Yes, honey. Yes, I know. <laughs> Um, but so, uh, this whole, uh, good times is, uh, interrupted when, uh, Blue Duck brings in Patch Wilson, um, and then, uh, Blue Dawn and Slim Fox appear. And so they've, they've got Patch Wilson tied up and bloodied and, uh, just seeing the bloody body was bad. But as they watched further, the women and children began kicking and gouging him with what, whatever, with what, whatever was convenient. All this being done in rage and anger. So they, they weren't kicking and gouging him lightheartedly or, uh, you know, uh, conducive to the laughter and warmth of young happy boys. No, no, it, it was in rage and anger. Oh, from here on out, it's fantastic. Um, but I, I just want to back up to uh, see if you can figure out the physicality of this, though. When they okay. say that Blue Duck has brought in Bad Eye, 
Uh, Slim Fox saw Wilson and moved behind Dale and looked around his side to see what was happening. Dale put both his hands behind his back and around Slim Fox's shoulder. Dale knew he would be intimidated by the man, blah, blah, blah. Lightfeather ran her arm through Chad's and stood very close by him. Dancing Leaf stood beside Dale, close enough to conceal Slim Fox. Oh, my God. Soon Blue Dawn was by her son's side, holding his hand. Slowly, they began to walk in the direction of the commotion. Holy crap. Sketch That's like an LSAT that logic puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Sketch it out. I want to see that one. Behind, the hands behind the back, but on his shoulders, is about as weird as it comes. That's the uh, that's the Mister Bicep Grab of this book. Totally Bicep Grab away. Um, so yeah, then they move as one group with all of their, their yeah. various linking and touching and shoulders and and hunching and hiding and <laughs> yeah, they're moving like a uh, a rat king, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they've 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 rounded up Patch. Uh, and they're they're determined to give him the uh, Indian justice that uh, Jim Eagle had promised. Um, and do you have anything from the before they decide what they're going to do with him? Um, I think this is before it. As the weak and bloody body of Wilson lay in front of the onlookers, the chief exited his lodge and smiled. I thought, <laughs> boy, you don't see lines like that uh, much anymore. I mean, that's, <laughs> sees his bloody body and goes, ah, oh, yeah, fantastic. Exactly. This is going to be a good day. Right, but you know the uh, they, it appears that they this might be something that makes them smile because they're very prepared for this type of situation. Because uh, I think the chief says enough, place this white dog on the torture pole near the fire <laughs> so we can all enjoy his pain. So they didn't uh, they didn't really get too far out of the box when they were naming the torture pole. <laughs> the torture pole. What happens over there? The, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The torture pole. I think we had uh, it was. In 300 opens with, you know, they have the place where the, the uh, priests or whatever judge the worthiness of your baby. And oh, if, yeah, if whether they it's don't, str- they don't live to up to it, they, yeah, they drop them off the cliff or whatever. So I just wonder how that conversation goes. Uh, hey, meet me over by the baby dropping cliff and I'll, I'll judge your baby for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just hoping there was a... Uh, there was some guy as they're as they're stringing Patch up to the torture pole, who's like, you know, back at back at his uh, TP looking at the box, and he's like noticing that it says the totem pole. And it's like, oh, 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 read read that word wrong. Like, <laughs> we should we've tortured eighteen guys on this totem pole. Oh man. Um. So I just want to remind. Let's see. The uh, oh, now you will pay the price for your crimes, says the chief, as all my people watch you suffer while we dance and sing. And, you know, I mean, the dancing and singing, he's probably not going to love it, but it's probably pretty <laughs> low on his list of cares. Like, right, as yes. a taunt, like, the, you know, don't, you don't bury the lead. I mean, you are going to torture me. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, you know what I'd really hate is if you put on a TV show in The Office, because I, I can't stand that show. It never makes me laugh. They're like, all right, fine. Like, <laughs> and while we're torturing you, we're going to be running these, like, sharpened birch sticks through your eyeballs i'll be eating a sandwich like, I, I'm, I'm really i you go, right. do 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 whatever you want to do i i'm a little more concerned right now right yeah they're like is the dancing getting you oh yeah oh yeah i can't stand it oh yeah it's just as bad as the uh just as bad as the scorpion you've got clipped to my genitals it's uh um but yeah he uh they what did it say i think i think this is talking about patch it says blood seemed to be oozing from most every part of his body 
And, you know, if we're going to get a description of someone where blood is oozing from most every part of their body, I'm, I'm glad it was Patch and not not Chad following his Hot Springs adventure. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, here's another sentence. You will be all right, Collins. Just be cool, and we'll take you to our lodge, and you can rest a while. <laughs> they say to the man from the early, uh, late 1700s, uh, early 1800s, just hey, right. chillax, man. Right, they're they're pulp fiction characters. All of a sudden, they're Samuel L. Uh, be cool, be cool. Um, I love Collins. I love their uh, I love their utter disdain for him. It's uh, it it's they they ratchet it up. They're so polite and kind to everybody, even though there's in this weird situation. Situation and Collins is the one guy that they're like, uh, you know, don't talk like a fool, Collins. Yeah. <laughs> and then they say, Collins, neither of us condone the punishment he's going through. Um, and uh, they go then into a. Uh, Another sort of rant like uh, like uh, Chad and Dale's Rape the Land one, um, they sort of say, uh, maybe if our judicial system, referring to uh, back home, maybe if our judicial system uh, was a little more severe, there would be less crime. Uh, and then, uh, then, then Collins says, these savages could care less about us. Why would you go along with this sort of punishment, Collins asked. No one said we do. Dale just said we don't condone the torture. We just understand it. <laughs> Which reminds me of a uh, something I've I've mentioned more than once on this podcast, but I'm going to take every opportunity to mention it again. Dale says we don't condone the torture; we just understand it. Very reminiscent of uh, local DC uh, talk show host of the '80s, Ken Beatrice's stance on curly fries, where he says, uh, "I don't eat them; I'm just told they're very good." <laughs> so <laughs> that is, <laughs> I think, I believe that's the fourth time I've brought that up on here. Um, so that just uh, it's it's pretty much the exact same stance. So. All right. I, I just do want to go back before we lose the uh, the irony too much here. Remember about the bloody body, uh, women and children kicking, gouging him, uh, rage <laughs> and anger. A uh, couple paragraphs before, I've never seen people so at peace with themselves. You and I are fortunate to have witnessed this. Such a loving and protective people. They dearly love all nature gave them and they protect it. Everything you see is sacred. They value everything around him. The most decent people will ever know are kicking and gouging with whatever is convenient in a rage right. and anger. Right. Yeah, it is. It is sort of have that. Uh, it has that sort of um, simplistic overview. The uh, is it the is it the, the is the trope the noble savage? Am I saying yes, yes. that right? So it's got it's got that thing, which is I'm, I'm sure is just as, as offensive as the you know savage savage uh to some people but it, it does sort of have those to, those two things interspersed back to back um so he, he is having his cake and eating it too in that situation yeah i mean it's it's a little infantilizing to take one canoe trip and take a bath and then you know they're the most <laughs> peaceful and loving people will ever know like you know don't patronize me i you know i can sure. be a badass too Right, right. But I mean, it, their attitude is better than Collins's, who responds when Chad asks him, "Are you hungry?" "I don't eat dog meat." Collins answered sharply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Collins. It, it a little bit reminds me of. Uh, he's also like, uh, what was his name? Uh, Jerry on uh, Parks and Rec, where just whenever he walked into a room, everyone, right? Everyone, God, shut up, Jerry! Stop. Craps all over him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. And like, you know, Collins was not not the general. He's at least investigating the situation. He's he's deeply suspicious, but he was the one who went into the hostile turf to see if it was peaceful. So you've got to give him a, a little bit of credit. But right. Right. Um, the, the, there was one line that I thought it was along the lines of the uh, the robot pimp. Uh, 
Collins was cut free and dropped to his knees to regain his breath and immediately looked up at Chad and Dale for help. Then he looked over at Wilson hanging on the torture pole, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the fear showed, showed so vividly in his eyes. <laughs> it's a good thing just to, to have in the background. Then he looked over at Wilson hanging on the torture pole. <laughs> right. Um, and this also, this is my last thing. This is, this is now my man. Where is this from? Dang. He is more than just brave and tough. He is understanding and honest and has no resentment toward any man, red or white or any other color. Uh, this to a guy he's spoken maybe 10 words to, I think, <laughs> uh, at most. Yeah, it is uh, it is that sort of thing. Where I mean, well, he's also fallen deeply in love. So, um, you know, maybe when his, when his heart was about to explode, that could have caused some sort of, uh, I don't know, aneurysm, you know, cut off the brain supply. And so now he's just very simplistic in all his emotions. He's... Uh... <laughs> It is funny that his heart almost exploded just when he left the the lodge, right? So it's right, like his buddy like, left the lodge. It's like a baby when your your mom just steps out of the room; like she's gone right. forever. She's dead. My Relationship object permanence, man. That's the uh, yeah. that's another another through thread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, all I have. Yeah, that's all I have. It ends with uh, Collins looked at the four of them and shook his head as if in disgust. Everyone left him at that point, as there was nothing more to say to someone so set in his way of thinking. So, yeah, I guess that's sort of uh, set up nicely for their uh, secret government karate they're going to be using on him at some point in time. (laughs) (laughs) Illegal karate moves from the government. (laughs) Um, Well, we do have some uh, dumb sentences of the week we can certainly read for people. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Or an I never let it go past this point. Mark. I'm going to let it for a once. always ends with a period or an exclamation or a question mark. So, my dog oh. is great. <laughs> wow, a little twang. The M is a capital. Yeah, that's right. My dog is great. <laughs> it is a sentence. <laughs> wow. All right, cut it off before we have to pay him any royalties. <laughs> that's right. All right, dumb sentence uh, of the week. Dumb sentence of the week. Uh, first of all, from Heather. All of these, of all the things the troops could imagine, war with the Sioux was not the most pleasant. Yes, <laughs> okay, I had that one highlighted as well. So, uh, not the most pleasant, but uh, somewhere in between. Uh, this one is from Janelle. Uh, we just talked about this one. Dale put his both his hands behind his back and around Slim Fox's shoulders, and she added, "I have no idea what this would look like. I couldn't see it in my mind's eye, and now I just see a large man with tentacle gummy arms swathed around a young boy, and I'm on all sorts of lists." <laughs> um, this is from Blake. Tired and weary from writing half the night and the memory of his dead comrades, he just wanted to report his findings to the captain and get some rest if he could. And so I think he w- it is tired and weary from writing half the night and the memory of his dead comrades was the, it's an Oxford comma-esque thing. He says, oh, you shouldn't be, okay, you shouldn't be writing half the night and also writing the memory of your dead comrades. And I too hope he can make his report or get some rest or maybe his captain needs to get some rest. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, just it's another another un- undiagrammable. Wow, man, he's good at that. It's getting. I think he's getting worse too. <laughs> he's getting bolder, and yeah, and just uh, they're they're taking on their life of their own. Uh, this one is from Joe. It's uh, this seemed to have the appearance of a very happy occasion. <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> this one is from. Uh, this was a couple times we talked about it, but Justin and Shane both submitted Blackhawks. Jim Eagle said to Blackhawk as he jumped from the roof. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth said. Uh, he pulled the patrol to a halt and said, Looks like the lieutenant has found Indians instead of Wilson. You men stay here and I'll ride up and take a look and see what's going on. I 
he pulled the patrol to the halt and said, oh, that it's because there was no comma, as you might say, after he pulled the patrol to a halt and said, there is a period. That is a sentence. He pulled the patrol to a halt and said. <laughs> <laughs> and then what he says is in the next sentence. Uh, now, this next one is from Chris. I've seen enough Indians to darker the sun. He says, yeah, I guess O'Hara is comparing their situation to the Battle of Thermopylae, in which the Spartan soldiers, Dianikis, was told there were so many enemies that their arrows would blot out the sun. But if so, he's asking his men to make quite a few mental leaps to understand his clumsy metaphor. And then uh, Taylor uh, said, damn it, boy, hot springs, Dale declared. <laughs> he says, you've got the damn it, boy. You've got Dale making a Kleinian declaration of his current location. And if you read the next sentence, you'll learn this is the one thing he's always wanted. Always, like since he was a child. So, yeah, lots of good dumb ones. So, yeah, we hit all yours. Uh, I had uh, one that I purposely didn't read as we were going through. This is talking about uh, Patch, Bad Eye Wilson. He says, if anyone was there... He had ways of taking what he wanted, even if it meant murdering his occupants. So, yeah, he had, I mean, that's that's definitely one of the ways you could, <laughs> <laughs> even if it, it sounds like, you know, if anyone is there, he's probably going to murder them. So that's a, that's a, a sure thing that they're going to, they're going to wind up dead. I'm sure he was saying that in quotes to himself as well. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is one of the ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, keep the dumb sentences coming because this book abounds. Uh, until then, let's uh, read a few uh, listener emails. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. Ain't gonna cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. What do you got? All right, this one is from Ben. We've had some memorable romances in the books we've read. Zach Lightman and his mom. Uh, Maxim and Alicia. Sean Penn and himself. But Chad Hand and the Indian princess just might take the cake. The canoe trip made quick and Sue Swift's whirlwind marriage from 64 squares look like a formal courtship by comparison. Add in a heavy dose of creepy Kleinian wish-fulfillment fantasy, and you've got a relationship unlike any we've encountered to date. That I is, like the reminder of Quick Swift. That was a, a, a character I, I forget too often. I uh, <laughs> It took me like a second after hearing it to go, wait, oh yeah. <laughs> they were the ones who decided to get married two hours after they met each other. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, on the on a similar note is from a Patreon supporter, Taylor, who could have imagined that aside from the mister, this would be the book you covered with the most erotic passage. I have to confess, I found myself retconning my mental images of both Chad and Dale just to make it through this cast. Part prior to this, the more paunchy and inbred they appeared in my imagination, the funnier everything became. But suddenly I found myself thinking, you know, I don't think Dale would necessarily have hair on every part of his back. <laughs> Chad's transformation was even more severe. Knowing he was 100 pounds lighter than Dale, I had been toying around with a kind of meth-tweaker-jockey character in my mind's eye. As his trysts with Lightfeather got steamier and steamier, he started gaining muscle math and teeth at an alarming rate. He looked like Zac Efron with a mullet by the end. I think I should keep my newer, hotter versions of Chad and Dale in my mind for the rest of the book, just in case Harris springs another one of these scenes on us. Well, again, uh, Connor wants you to send him anything, you know, <laughs> any drawings, any descriptions of what they might be doing. Uh, send them directly to Connor's inbox. Uh, this one is uh, from Justin. Uh, he, I also just checked in with my dad about trucker lingo. Uh, he'd never heard of fuzzies as slang for road flares, but did confirm that truckers do love their own special lingo. Unfortunately, no fun alternative terms for bungee cords either. Wikipedia says they call them Aki straps or octopus straps in Australia. But I just had to know for sure about fuzzies, so I searched around online. I found a forum called Squat the Planet, 
<laughs> I don't think yeah. you're on a trucker forum. <laughs> I, uh, hopefully some rigs on that forum. But it says it's an online community for misfit travelers. In a thread titled, The Dumbest Assholes You've Seen on the Rails or Road, user Matt Pist asked, What the hell is a fuzzy? User The Undead Phoenix replied, Road Flare. Fusey, however the fuck you want to spell it. <laughs> Screenshot below. My thanks to the Misfit tra- Traveler community for solving the mystery. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that checks out, I guess. That's uh, how deep we're been... digging into. Uh, <laughs> that's where we have to go to find another example. Weird traveler forums. And uh, it sounds like it could be another misspelling, just like Bungie was misspelled if he's calling it a fusey. <laughs> yes. Um, Brian writes in to say, uh, Blue Duck is the name of a character in Lonesome Dove. In that, he is a very murderous Indian. He says, I bet my spare tarp Charles E. Harris has read Lonesome Dove. So that's a clue. I don't ah. know if there's three three socks anywhere. Ah, um, you, I assume you've never read? No, uh, I'm actually currently reading it. That's a, a weird coincidence. What? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I thought I would do some uh, Western genre research, and so, but it's a bit too long to really do for research's sake. I've, I've stalled on it. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, uh, this one is from uh, Doug. Are you familiar with Time Rider, The Adventures of Lyle Swan? No. What is that? <laughs> it's a movie from 1982 in which Fred Ward plays the titular role of a cross-country dirt bike racer who, while racing through the desert, inexplicably travels through time to the year 1877 and into an adventure involving outlaws, Mexicans, and U.S. Marshals. Spoiler alert, the film ends with the revelation that the hero of the story is his own great-great-grandfather. I have to believe that Charles E. Harris saw and was inspired by this movie. Is Chad going to be his own great great grandfather? What do you guys think? Wow. I haven't thought about the uh, I haven't thought about the uh, ending too much, um, but uh, I mean yeah. it certainly would be amazing. I'm my own grandpa type of thing. I think so. Uh, I do have a memory of that movie now. Wow! Uh, is my my father worked uh, at a machine shop as a foreman at a machine shop, and some guy gave him a videotape. And said, you're going to love this movie. And so my dad said, he sat and watched the whole thing. And it was that movie with Fred Ward. <laughs> wow. And it was done. And he goes, like, that was the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen. <laughs> and at that moment on the videotaped uh, movie came a, uh, a half-hour pornographic talk show that used to run. <laughs> and, it just, <laughs> and my dad stood up, obviously, in alarm because we were all around. He's like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> Wait, so the video store, someone had put it back like that? No, the guy had taped it for him, and he oh, thought, wow. and he just gave him a little, another little, uh, you know, a little bit of dessert that he thought he might enjoy. <laughs> My dad is like, who does this guy think I am? Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's why I remember that. Naturally, yeah, exactly. he hustled that out of our house uh, right away. The uh, Always awkward. Uh, but as far as the end of the book goes, I posted uh, uh, the excerpt about... Uh, about uh, Dale and uh, his his deep and abiding respect for him and Miss Marie's relationship. And a guy on Twitter, Justin, said, having finished the book, you guys are absolutely going to love how this pays off. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Yeah, so that's a, that's quite a tease. So I'm looking forward to that. Holy uh, cow. We got this one. <laughs> it was a subject line, kerning, Mike's vindication. Oh, really? Do tell, the cur- do tell. The, kern- the kerning isn't quite the problem, but it's part of it. While the line formatting is bad, the typeface is the elephant in the room. 
Courier's a monospace typeface. Every character has to occupy the same width. Typewriters have had this kind of type because the paper advanced the same distance with each key press, and in a modern context, it's useful in programming to keep code visually ordered and tidy, but monospace type is terrible for typesetting a book because the letters are both monotonously blocky in shape and wildly varied in dis density, a combination that undermines readability and makes your eyes slide off the page. Around I and L, the kerning's very wide to get them the appropriate size by any means necessary, but M and W look compressed and cramped. Type the word minimum in courier at 16 points or so and just look at it. But of course, you guys have been looking at courier quite enough as it is. So, I guess a guy wrote in last week and said it wasn't the curring, cur kerning, it was the uh, justification. Dan writes in to say, it's slightly the kerning. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm what, 15% vindicated? Thank you. Yeah, I'll yeah, take that. But like, yeah, hang your head on it. I'll take um, it. Well, yeah, thanks to everyone who emailed in. We can't possibly read them all. Can't possibly respond to them all. But I do uh, read them. And uh, we really appreciate everyone who takes their time to, uh, uh, to email more than just pointing out things we got wrong. It's always nice to uh, have someone write in and tell you that you got something right. So Yes, and also... Uh Heather, I will defeat you. You, uh, <laughs> we can't keep this up. Um, you know, uh, it's the Minnesota Twins and the Yankees. Someday, oh, despite wow. you know law of average, I'm going to beat you. I don't know when that day will be. But. <laughs> well, she's only uh, there's there's these people out there running these predictive texts uh, through. Uh, through generators, so they can they can generate uh, you know AI copies of this. So I think Heather's probably got that at her disposal too. So I think she's uh, she's uh, militarizing her her arsenal. So I think uh, I think she's she's probably going to take that challenge to heart. Uh, I'm still sitting here with just my Dixon Ticonderoga. You and your <laughs> fancy machines. <laughs> uh, so for next time, please uh, we're going to read through chapter uh, chapter 14. That's page 234. That'll uh, put us at uh, three more of these to go before we can finish uh, trucking through time. So three more till Miss Marie. Yeah, the reveal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, now that we've got that to look forward to, I, I couldn't be happier. I can't wait. Um, and we will be back uh, soon with another 372 pages. We'll never get back. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm Connor Lestoka. So Damn long. it, boy. So long, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>